Dionisio at the plate, he's over for 2 today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's... Oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. My name is Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. And Jack, I, you know, I said uh, another episode, but it's not just another episode, Jack. This is episode number 100, man. We made it. We did it. We hit the century mark, Jeremy. We did. And um, let's hold for a second. And right there, that that what you just heard there was the the uh, the fanfare of the nation's rejoicing for us hitting uh, episode number one hundred. <laughs> hey, it's like <laughs> hey, you know we're piping piping in fake crowd noise to uh, baseball games, so why not to this podcast too, right? <laughs> That's true. We should. Um, so um, so in honor of uh, big episode number one hundred, we 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 wanted to like you know make a special event out of this and kind of do something different that that we haven't done before. Um, so. Um, Jack, I reached into uh, my 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 Rolodex, my my contacts, uh, and uh, called up like my my baseball connections that I had. And um, so we have a special guest uh, on this episode. Um, it's a guy that um, I uh, I met um, at, at at a job that I have, a sports statistics job. Um, former baseball player, um, Mark Gentile. Hello, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark, um, you know, was uh, was in pro ball um, uh, and uh, has an interesting uh, story, like an interesting path to uh, to to playing with um, Diamondbacks organization, the White Sox organization. Um, So uh, we're going to we're going to get into it. Um, So, uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We're really, really glad that you uh, could set this time aside to do it. Yeah. Hey, it's an honor to be on episode 100, man. It's an honor. Nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, Jack, how long have we been doing this? Uh, two and a half years. Yeah, Jeremy, I think it was, uh, uh, April, 2018 was when we started. It all started with a game where Josh Reddick hit two home runs for the Astros, uh, you know, (laughs) against the White Sox. That was the first one we went to. So yeah, we've been, we've been doing this about two and a half years. Uh, yeah. And we finally made it. So, uh, you know, pretty excited, Jeremy. Yeah, definitely. I, man, what are the odds that Josh Reddick has hit two homers in a game since then? <laughs> can't, can't, can't be true. Um, no. well, so Mark, so one, one thing that we normally do, um, uh, for, uh, at the beginning of the show, before we kind of get into it, is we talk about, um, debuts, uh, for players who debuted in the year of the episode. Now we're at episode 100. So, um, we're going to kind of, carry this over conceptually into 2000. So for episode 100, we're going to talk about players who debuted in uh, the year 2000. We'll do that up until like episode 120. Uh, when we run out of guys, I, I guess we'll talk about someone who debuts in 2021, Jack. Uh, but um, but let's, uh, let's keep this party going while we can. And so um, Jack uh, and Mark's going to get in on this too. So actually, Mark, I guess, um, well, let's, let's let's talk. Let's get Jack first, and then Mark, Mark will get you in the mix, and then we'll we'll see we'll see who we got. So we usually keep these a secret. Jack, um, who's your uh, 2000 debut? Okay, mine is Jeff D'Amico. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but it's it's not the Jeff D'Amico. It's not the real Jeff D'Amico. Uh, it's it's a it's a fake Jeff D'Amico who only pitched seven games for the Kansas City Royals in the year 2000. Um, so I think that the remarkable thing about that, first of all, is that there's two, uh, two players who were named Jeff D'Amico. Um, but 
I have a story about the other Jeff D'Amico, the Jeff D'Amico <laughs> who pitched for the Brewers and was actually pretty good. Um, and I've been, I've had this on my conscience for a long time, uh, over 20 years, and I finally need to get it out there. So um, about, about in the late 90s, when Jeff D'Amico was like the best pitcher on the Brewers, um, <clears throat> me and my parents, uh, we went to like a, a, an open batting practice uh, for the Brewers. They were like off that day, but they let fans in to like watch their batting practice and their drills and stuff. And so we were like standing uh, in like the bleacher area, like sort of in the outfield. And there were players who were like shagging balls. And, um, you know, we uh, we asked one of the the players to like throw us a ball. And, and you know, the, the player was like, how many do you need? And, um, uh, you know, we were like two. We need two. Because uh, it was me and my brother, for me and my brother. So this player very kindly, like, threw us up two balls, um, you know, from somewhere that he got. And so we were like, oh, that's cool. We got some balls. And I was just a little kid. This was probably 96, 97. So I was only about 10 years old. So uh, anyway, my parents were like, my uh, were like, or maybe my dad was like, yeah, that was uh, that was Jeff D'Amico who threw that. Or I said it. I thought it was Jeff D'Amico. And my okay. parent, my dad just kind of went with it. Um, so anyway, like about a week later, like, you know, I was like still talking about this ball I got from Jeff D'Amico and my dad's like, well, what, what if we, uh, what if we mail those into the brewers and like have Jeff D'Amico sign them and like write him a little letter and stuff and say, Hey, you threw me these balls. Thank you so much. Could you sign them? Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Uh, so, you know, like we sent them there and then he sent them back and he had autographed them. But the thing is, I, I was looking through my brewer program, like after I got those back and, uh, uh, you know, I saw Jeff D'Amico's picture and then I also saw Ben McDonald's picture. Um, and I Ooh. realized that it wasn't actually Jeff D'Amico who had thrown us those balls. Uh, it was actually Ben McDonald. So I had Jeff D'Amico auto autograph a ball that Ben McDonald had thrown me. Um, so like, you know, Jeff D'Amico got the credit for doing that, but it was actually Ben McDonald who did the good deed of, I'm sure it was Ben McDonald who did the good deed of throwing those balls. So I've had it on my conscience for a long time. Uh, but, you know, thank you to Ben McDonald. If you're listening, uh, you know, I know it was actually you who threw me those balls and, and not Jeff D'Amico. So yeah, Jer I've, I've carried that with me for a long time, Jeremy. I've never told anybody about that. Not even yeah. my parents, I don't think, but I'm sure that it was, it was Ben McDonald and not Jeff D'Amico that threw me those balls. So there you go. That's my Jeff D'Amico story. In interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, in some, I mean, in some way, isn't it cooler? Like, I think some people would argue that they'd rather have a Ben McDonald autograph baseball than a Jeff D'Amico autograph. Does that seem like blasphemy to you, Jack? As, as oh, no. Um, ben McDonald was the better pitcher, especially like when he yeah. was with the, when he was with the Orioles. Yeah. Um, and now right. he's actually, now he's actually, I think he's in maybe an announcer for them or something like that. Um, he might be part of their broadcast team, but yeah, Ben McDonald overall was the better pitcher, like at, okay. at his height. Um, yeah. I don't know why I didn't just at like, you know, I, I, I don't know why the hell I ever thought it was Jeff D'Amico. I don't know if somebody <laughs> told me that, or if I thought, if I thought it was Jeff D'Amico, I have no idea, but, uh, you know, now I got to make it right. I got to get Ben McDonald's autograph somehow. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it'll be too hard to get it. So that's that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Mark, do you remember uh, Ben McDonald? I do remember Ben McDonald. I do not remember. The, I remember a Jeff D'Amico. I don't remember the second Jeff D'Amico, but I, no. I definitely remember D'Amico. I remember Ben McDonald. He he had a couple solid years in there. Yeah, yeah. I remember his like rookie card, like with upper deck. Uh, it was like it was like a cool card to have. Like it was a sought after card to have for like, you know, um, a, a minute in 1991 or whatever. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's cool. I actually, 
I kind of forget that Ben McDonald was on the the Brewers, but um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, Yeah, it Um, was uh, two years, ninety six and ninety seven. So I was about ten or eleven when that happened. Yeah, pretty cool. Were they still were they still American League at that time, or were they were they already over? Uh, yeah. So their first year was ninety eight. So I think their last year was nineteen ninety seven. Um, and I think right after that they switched over to the National League. Yeah, their uh, their motto for that ninety eight season was "We're taking things national." Um, I'll never, uh, never forget that great marketing. And that goes along with, uh, that was the year that they brought in, um, the diamondbacks and, uh, with the Rays, right. Same, right. That's why they made that move. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. That's that all. Yeah. The whole realignment. Yeah. I think, I think so. Yeah. So was that the year, was that the year that they went to three, uh, they went to three divisions that year too, then, right. That might've been is. a little bit, it, it, it might've been. That might have been a little bit earlier. That might have been like '94 that they went to uh, that they okay. went to three divisions. Okay. Yeah, you um, could be right. You could be right. Yeah, we just did. Um, uh, Mark on for episode '98, we talked about the um inaugural rosters of the um D backs and the Rays. Uh, okay. Some weird guys on those teams, man. There. What, what was the what was the third baseman's guy like Ben Smith or something? What was it? It was uh, it was Bob. It was Bob Smith. Bob Smith. Do you remember <laughs> Bob Smith? No, Mark. was Bob Smith Diamondbacks or, or Ray? He w- he was Rays, right? The Rays wasn't he the third starting third baseman, like opening day starting th- maybe yeah third baseman. For he the was Rays? yeah. He was uh, he was on the Rays, and then he spent some time with the White Sox too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like you know you could have told me like that could have been one of your guys' mechanics. Like I don't like Bob Smith or like, you know, my history teacher, Bob Smith. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so yeah, we, that's, you know, those, those are the kind of guys we, we get into here on the, on this podcast, Mark, but, uh, so Mark, uh, you got a, you, oh yeah, you got a chance to look at the list. Uh, did, who did you, uh, who popped off of that list uh, for you? I went with the ever steady Bronson Arroyo mm. who, who somehow had a, a long drawn out career of like 15, 16 years. Right, pitched and uh, started over 30 games, multiple years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't, right, the flow of that hair. I mean, yeah. the mechanics, just everything. Just a full package. Somehow just continue to pitch in Major League Baseball year after year. It's until, uh, right, he made a comeback. I think he made. He took a couple of years off and made a comeback at 40 and then and then finally hung him up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wonder. That's right. I I kind of forgot about like the the comeback tour for for Bronson Arroyo, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, the mechanics he with that crazy high leg kick. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then like yeah, again, like so we Arroyo came up a couple episodes ago because um, I remember being at a game where he homered off of Glendon Rush. Uh, sure. And, uh, so that 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 was a whole thing, but um, but yeah, we didn't really get too deep into Arroyo. Right, he can hit a little bit though. He can hit a little bit. I mean, he was he was he was a little bit athletic. He had some athleticism to to him for a pitcher. Yeah, could you know could handle the bat. He um he's one of those um, uh, musician uh baseball players. Oh um, yeah, I, I think he did. He actually did. It's it's a very dicey, and and this is coming from a guy who's a Barry Zito fan. Um, but it's very dicey when when players become mus- like like show their musician sides. Uh, it could go south, like like Aaron Rowland, uh, you know, uh, saying like his favorite team is Link- or his favorite band is Lincoln Park. Uh, not not that's the bad side, you know. Uh, but Bronson Arroyo actually um, 
I remember he did a thing on like MLB Network. He did Red Hooded Sweatshirt, the Adam Sandler song when he was on the Reds. I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, one thing, you know, yeah, Bronson Arroyo, uh, Mark, yeah, he actually comes up uh, on this podcast more often than you'd think. This must be, <laughs> okay. this must be about this must be about the, the fifth or sixth time that he's that we brought him up. Uh, yeah, so it's it's okay. funny. It's funny that you would mention him because Jeremy, you know, Jeremy mentions that uh, Glendon Rush, Bronson Arroyo dueling home run uh, thing that happened. Uh, you know, uh, it's ha- it's ha- he's been mentioned before. I've actually never mentioned this, though. But uh, one of my favorite things about Bronson Arroyo is that he's actually named after the actor Charles Bronson. That's, uh, that's true. Oh, man. Mm-hmm, yeah, who's one of my favorite, uh, you know, one of my favorite action stars. Charles Bronson has this great <laughs> has this great line in one of his old cop movies where he's like he's interrogating this suspect and he goes, now you're going to tell me what I want to know or I'm going to beat it out of you. And that's OK, too. <laughs> um so yeah he's uh he's great um but yeah mark i like bronson arroyo for you know kind of the same reasons you do he's got uh he was always really steady like you could always count on that guy to start you know 32 games a season right to pitch to right. pitch 200 plus innings he was just this rubber arm type of guy um i remember uh during his comeback tour in 2017 um he was throwing like his most of his pitches were like 60 uh and 70 mile an hour pitches so it was yep. just like crazy to watch this guy uh throwing these pitches like which is probably a lot slower than most of those big leaguers are used to seeing um you know he didn't do he didn't do well that year but uh you know he did still get some outs he pitched 71 innings um so yeah bronson arroyo kind of a guy who was never really a huge star but he uh you know he carved carved out a pretty good career for himself absolutely right and for him for a guy not being a big star memorable you know like uh, he's just somebody that stands out in baseball i mean uh, you know if you're a baseball fan you, you you're well aware of bronson arroyo so absolutely he did something right, he did something right for a while there <laughs> totally um so mark my mark and uh, jack my guy is um uh someone who who stands out in our memories in baseball as well but not for not for any good reasons uh and i think this is someone you can commiserate with me about mark being a cubs fan uh, is uh, Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like low hanging fruit for this podcast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's saying like, you know, taking, taking shots at guys here. But um, I mean, how could you not, how could you like not, you know, uh, how could you pass up Corey Patterson? Um, so many things to say about the guy. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, just, a guy who never really paid off. Um, I'm just looking at his number, his like baseball reference page here. He was a third overall pick in uh, two, in 1998. Um, and uh, his agent was Scott Boris. Interesting. Um, but uh, you know, just so the best year that Corey Patterson had, I think as a cub uh, was the first half of 2003. Um, he was like, he, he was off to a great start and uh, was looking really good. And then I believe, I believe he um, hit a grounder down first base and he ran into a, a big, big guy pitcher for the Brewers. I think it was Ruben Cavedo who he bumped into and like blew his knee out. Basically, I think would, would print, is that too early for Prince Fielder 2003? Yeah, that was uh, maybe two or three years before he debuted. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I think it was, um, I yeah, I think it was against the Brewers. He he was running to first base and he collided with someone at first base, blew out his knee, missed the rest of the season. Uh, the Cubs went ahead and got Kenny Lofton, who actually was also great for the Cubs that year. But um, so like that was like the one glimpse. The the whole Corey Patterson like like saga, the era in in 
Cubs like fandom is was just like ultra frustrating. Like he was always bad. He struck out all the time. Um, there's like the Corey Patterson face, which like I I like um identified at some point, which is just like he would strike out, he'd walk back to the dugout, and he would look over his right shoulder with this like grimace, this like like pain look on his face, and it's like. It's like, why are you sh- like, don't show your face. Keep your head down. Get in the dugout. Don't make me see you again because you suck. And you just let us down. There was runners at second and third. We were down by one and you struck out. And so he, it was just so frustrating. And then that one year he was like good and he blows out his knee. And then like, you know, it was just never the same since then. And he bounced around a little bit after the Cubs. Um, But, uh, but yeah, Corey Patterson, very frustrating Cub. Very frustrating. I couldn't agree more, man. I just, I have visuals of him that year. That was a postseason year, right? In 2003, yep. there was a post. I, I just, I can visually still, right? They kept showing him sitting up in like one of the luxury boxes. I remember it was just, that, that's my image of Corey Patterson is him in street clothes. Yeah, totally. That, totally. And then that's it. I mean, the next year he had huge, they had huge hopes for him uh, after that half year you're talking about. And uh, yeah, never, it just never Never came to be. I mean, I don't know what his career average was, but I, I mean, I'm guessing it somewhere in the low 200s, 230, 240. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. I've, yeah, I've got it up here. It was actually 252, which is better than okay. you, better than I That's thought it would be. Bit, but he, he was very, he was a very poor on base guy. I mean, in in 2002, yeah. he had over 600 plate appearances and he only walked 19 times. So oh, like, man. yeah, yeah. you got to. I'll say this, guys. I had no idea that Corey Patterson was on the Brewers for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. he, pl- he played 11 games at the Brewers, man. I don't remember that at all. He hit 071 for them. Yeah, so he was, <laughs> he was he was one for 14 for them, so he didn't do anything. Like, I I have no recollection of that. Um, Jeremy, didn't didn't you say on here one time that Corey Patterson posed shirtless for, like, some yeah. Chicago magazine or something like that? Yeah, most definitely. Mark, do you remember that? I don't remember that, No. Yeah, it was Chicago Magazine, um, which I believe is still in publication. Um, it was like the ten most eligible bachelors of Chicago, and in like in like two thousand two or something. And Corey Patterson was in it, and he was he posed like shirtless. I can only remember if he was like laying down, like you know Jim Palmer style, or he was just like standing like with a bat. But he was shirtless, <laughs> and like again, that's another kiss of death. It's just like you know. Like even Tom Brady couldn't get away with that. Like like when he like posed for like UGG boots and like they ripped out like the the ads and put it in his locker room and like made fun of him. Like it's like so if someone like that can't get away with it. Like Corey Patterson can't get away with it. I feel like that was something that was like always in the back of my mind. Like as I would watch him strike out, you know, <laughs> in the game. So yeah, but uh, there you go, Corey Patterson. So there we go. Those are our two thousand guys. That's a solid squad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, um, so so yeah. So real quick, um, I guess. Uh, well, one there's one bit of news here that uh, I think kind of ties in to uh, to kind of our backstory, Mark. But um, so so Mark and I like we we met working at a company called Stats, um, which is a stats company. Uh, you know, they always say like, you know, not what they lacked in a name, they made up for in um, you know, uh, data. Per, per <laughs> Um, but, uh, but so, so, uh, we, we met there, um, and, um, I guess, uh, one guy, so in the news, uh, yesterday it was reported that, uh, Sam fold, uh, was named the, uh, GM of the, uh, Phillies. Um, and so, so one thing that, that overlaps with all of us is that Sam fold 
worked uh, at stats. I don't know if he was an intern or he actually got, he was on the payroll or what, but he worked at stats um, basically like, I guess the year before us. Cause Mark, I think you might've started a little bit before me, but I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't pretty soon after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, five, Oh six. I started there. Oh five or Oh six. The end of Oh five. Okay. Yeah. So I started probably, in Oh six, three and Oh four. Okay. And he yeah. did work there. He he would work there uh, during the off season. He would work there, right? Isn't that? I, I believe that was the the deal. He was still playing, but he he would work there in the off season. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, so we heard stories about Fold. Um, I think there were there were definitely guys who who we worked with who worked there with him. Uh, and like you know like had stories about him or knew him or whatever, when he would like, you know, crash into the wall, he'd be like, Hey, there's fold, you know, like whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, the only, the one thing that I remember about it is that like, he was quoted in some ESPN article talking about stats and he called us all nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's, he might be on, you know, I mean, you can't argue, with, right. that. You can't argue with that. I've been, uh, you know, I spent a lot of years in that building. Yeah. You can't, you can't really argue with that too much. For sure. Some more than others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think it was cool. Like, I mean, talk about a beloved cub, like, you know, for, I don't even, I don't have his baseball ref in front of me, but um, I mean, did he appear in more than like over two seasons with the Cubs? Uh, it looks like he played in, played in parts of three seasons with them. Oh, okay. seven, oh, okay. nine and 10. Okay. Wow. Oh, seven to 10. There was a big gap there, huh? Um, or, or, or <laughs> seven Oh nine. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, like, you know, like, man, I don't know the, this city just loves guys like, like undersized guys who like, just give their, their all even, even like Cubs fans. Uh, and, uh, you know, Sam fold crashes into the wall, like face first one time. And he's, he's like in the Cubs pantheon. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good, um, he was a good, he was a good defensive player for sure. Yeah. He, he he was real good at going, going in the gap, gap to gap. I mean, he could, he could cover a lot of ground. Yeah. It was fun to watch him play. Right. It was, uh, it was a big deal at stats when he made that 07 debut. I just remember, I remember that being a, a big deal through the halls of that place. Yeah, for sure. I remember a game. I think it was, I think he was on Oakland or maybe playing against Oakland, but he, he had like an outfield assist. And, um, this, this is one thing that like, I feel like no one ever talks about, but it, it always stood out of my mind, but, or stands out of my mind when it happens. But when the outfielder is trying to like throw someone out at the plate and they like take a, the running jump and throw the ball, but then they like, they airborne, they like go airborne to throw the ball. Like, and they like kind of like flip in the air right. and like tumble right. on the ground. No one ever really talks about that play, but I remember Sam Fold did one of those, and like, I feel like he like like did a flip in the air. He was like airborne so so hard, but I, I'm pretty sure they threw the guy out at home. Uh, it was a pretty cool play. I can't recall that play. I do. I just I know that flip comes with all that momentum you're getting. You know, just a, yeah. having a, a ton of momentum towards the plate will will lead to that type of throw. But uh, yeah, I do not remember that one offhand. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure if it was a big game or anything. It just it just stood out in my mind. I mean, outfield assists are always exciting, and that one was was pretty cool. And but yeah, so it was cool to to kind of watch Sam Fold bounce around. Um, I don't remember a lot of these stints, but um, but yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he he was a couple stints with Oakland there, Minnesota for for a minute. 
Yeah, Jeremy, uh, I think he may have played in uh, uh, that one game that we went to, A's versus White Sox. It was in 2015. It was in, like, September uh, of 2015. It was a 15-inning game on a yeah. Monday night. Um, uh, yeah, Sam Full definitely played in that game. And I remember that was the first time you told me about the quote where uh, where he said that, like, all the guys working at Stats were nerds. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I've known about that one from for a uh, – for a long time. It seems like he's a, a pretty highly regarded front office guy. That's how yeah. he got promoted to GM of the Phillies so fast. Um, I mean, it, it looks, he went to Stanford. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's probably, uh, probably was pretty focused on school as well as, uh, you know, playing ball when he was in college. Um, so yeah, uh, seems like, uh, he might be kind of the next big thing as far as like front office guys go, if it works out for him with the Phillies. Yeah, that should be interesting. I mean, yeah, clearly the guy if he who's if he was working at, at our place like in the offseason, I mean he was he was definitely dedicated to that that side of baseball. So Absolutely. yeah, so yeah, so pretty cool. Um we'll see um how that all goes uh in Philly. But um but all right, Mark, let's get into it. Um so so yeah, uh, you know, it's very cool to have to have you on the podcast to be able to like get some access to like some behind the scenes like what it's like for an actual player to to come up and um so I don't know, let's I think like let's let's take it all the way back like um back to like just like starting out playing ball like um uh I don't know, like I think one thing that like we were interested in is like how how do you become like how do you know that you're good or like, how do you know that like, it's like, you know, this is actually like a thing that you could pursue as opposed to just like, you know, something you do for the summer or something like in little league or something. So like when you, when do you know, you've kind of turned the corner a little bit. Yeah. For me, yeah. If for me it kind of came when, uh, when colleges, you know, it started off with real small colleges, uh, approaching me about playing. Um, that's when it kind of opened my eyes that, uh, you know, maybe this could lead to something, but it, it really, it started about 17. I mean, I didn't really grow and, and get my size and speed until then. So, but once, once uh, a couple small schools started reaching out to me, I had some coaches that I worked with that told me that, uh, you know, hold on, you know, that's just the beginning. Um, there'll be more to come. And that's, that's kind of when I knew this was something I could pursue, uh, you know, beyond high school, obviously at that point. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so oftentimes like, you know, you'll see, you know, pitchers in the big leagues and they can't, you know, they can't hit it all or anything like that. Were you always like, once you got to high school, whatever, were you always kind of like the best player on your team? I mean, could you do it all? Could you hit and stuff in addition to, to pitching? Well, not at all. So not at all. <laughs> so not, even, not even close. So I, uh, my freshman year of high school, I would, you know, I was left-handed. So, you know, you're limited to the outfield and first base. Yeah. Um, I would play first base. Yeah. Hitting. I mean, my, my travel teams and stuff, I was the kid that batted, uh, I was the kid that batted 12. I mean, I would bat anywhere from 10 to 12. I was at the bottom and, uh, I didn't really have any interest in hitting. Um, and then once I got to high school, the kid that, that was, that played first, he was just, he was just better. He was a better hitter, better fielder. So at that point I just, you know, focused on, uh, on pitching, but but yeah, you would think that uh, you just kind of can do it all if you can get to the professional level that you can just you're just good at baseball in general. But that's yeah, I can never really uh, I can never really hit. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, I was just, so so I I tell the kids that all the time. I mean, just if you're if you're the guy batting twelfth, I mean, don't 
don't worry, you know, keep working at it, keep going and uh, find it, you know, if you can find a home on the mound. I mean, there's always a, a chance there and you, you don't have to hit. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting because like nowadays, like there's so many two way guys like coming up, like getting drafted and getting drafted as two way guys. Like they're not like making them commit to a, a spot. And, uh, you know, Otani was just kind of like the, the beginning and, uh, Brendan McKay's doing a little bit of that. Um, yeah. uh, and like, yeah, just guys like, so this year, I think like they drafted definitely, um, I believe the 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 Cardinals drafted a guy Mason Wynn um as a two-way guy and uh there's guys who like could clearly do it as well but like yeah it's it's interesting yeah when you think about that like just like that that kid like you know who pitches and then plays you know like bats cleanup or something but uh but yeah right. I mean like it's it's I think in um you know it was unheard of back in the day like kind of to 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 do something like that so um uh it's interesting that uh how the game is evolving there but uh but that's uh right. <laughs> yeah that's well that's something that we all share i guess then <laughs> yeah um, yeah right right i was no better hitter than anybody else man so so don't ask you don't we don't want any hitting advice from me don't ask, <laughs> don't ask for any any kind of hitting swing tips uh i'll tell you right i'll tell you it's, yeah, right off the bat, you I, you don't want to talk hitting with me as far <laughs> nice. as mechanics and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. hitting. So I'm not so, your guy. <laughs> so um, so I mean, so you know, and I'm so you, did you start like you know like t-ball little league basically, and then come up yeah, to high so school? Like, right, I, I grew up south side suburbs in Orland Park, same as you know, same as everywhere else. Just played little league, made you know the little league all star team. Uh, you know, and then started playing some like full time travel around like twelve years old, eleven or twelve, but it was nothing like it is today. Today it's 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 crazy. Uh yeah. I played for the Sparks organization, which back then it was just one team, you know, it was just a few teams run by dads. Now it's now it's a business over there. It's at that Bo Jackson dome. They okay. got tons of teams at every level, so it's that that has evolved a great deal. Um but, uh, yeah. So I, so I took that. I played, uh, you know, regular little league. Played that, and then that took me into high school, and uh, and that was it from there. But yeah, just like everybody else. Cool. Wait, a couple of years ago, uh, Jack and I went to um, the Hitters Academy in um, like right around um, uh, not racing, like around Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and that's where uh, Jared Kalanick came from. Uh, who was uh, like what the ninth or tenth pick or something a couple of years ago from the uh, Mariners? Okay, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's it's a legit thing. Garrett, uh, Gavin Lux came from there as well, so it's just yeah, it's crazy to see what what is put into like that development nowadays. Oh yeah, it's gotten so much rep. Back when we were right in the nineties, it was, it was just kind of just getting going, and back then, you know, now it's now it's just, you can get good good coaching, good. Good, you know, um, just being put in the right direction. There's just so many ex-players that are just running these these businesses now. These things are just popping up all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Right, these these indoor facilities. So, so uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, sure, Mark. I was going to ask, uh, you know, just as you were, um, you know, uh, kind of thinking about focusing more on pitching. Um, did you have any uh, pitchers you like really look up to when you were a kid and or in high school, were there any like big league pitchers that you really look up to or kind of modeled yourself after as you kind of realized what kind of player you wanted to become? 
Yeah, that's it. You know, I've followed like you know the, the the trio in Atlanta was really the, the three guys that I that I watched the most: Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. Um, Glavin in particular because he was a lefty. Yeah. Uh, him and Randy Johnson, I would say. I mean, Randy Johnson, his impact just just the just the way he went about just owning the mound. I mean, just the intimidation factor and just I'm better than you. That that attitude that he just gave off. Um, I'd say I'd say that that kind of had the, the biggest influence on me was was the demeanor of a guy like Randy Johnson just just gonna get up there and just just gonna beat you. Nice, interesting. Yeah, yeah like uh, so I was gonna say Johnson was uh, you know more like a power pitcher. Was that what was your what was your repertoire like? What was your pitch mix like? So I was I was more of a a, a spot guy, right? I, I felt like I was throwing real hard, but yeah, I was mid range. I was. 88 to 92. I lived in there. Uh, my pitch is two seam fastball away to right-handed hitters, change up away to right-handed hitters. Those were my two go-to. So what would happen with that is that as I, you know, I've never really developed an out pitch against left-handed hitters. So mm. if you look at my numbers, as I went, I was lefties did better against me than right-handers, but, uh, yeah, I would. I mean, my my go-to pitch was was a changeup for sure. I was not my. I could I could blow my fastball value off of that changeup, but I was never just a guy that could get up there and just rear three fastballs right by you. Um, I felt like I could. I had the attitude like I could, but <laughs> it wasn't the reality of it. So, yeah, I never got. I mean, the fastest I think I hit is, it was ninety three like, a couple of times. No, that, that was it. Okay. Yeah. Oh which, wow. Which now, but today you look at guys. I mean, that's. I think you're. I think a guy throwing eighty is. You know, he's definitely below average. It is. Right. It's true. It's pretty crazy. <clears throat> Again, game has gone. Uh, I mean, it seems to me like they're just looking for guys to throw hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Right, especially in these bullpens. I mean, everyone's just everyone's throwing gas. It's amazing. Oh yeah, I mean, you look at that Rays bullpen that you saw in the World Series. Like go, every right? every single one of those guys could hit a hit a hundred miles per hour. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm I'm curious too, uh, Mark. Did you were you hitting ninety plus or ninety three as you said? Uh, were you hitting that in high school or was that was that when you got to the next level? That was when I got to the next high school. I would sit around eighty five, eighty seven, somewhere in there, eighty three to eighty seven. Okay, you know, I've I've always been curious. How does a how does a pitcher uh, like get miles per hour added on their fastball? Is it just like a lot of long tossing or is it training and lifting weights or just repetition or how do you, how do you do it? For me, it was just, it, right. It was repetition, long toss, and then just growing. Like uh, I gained a lot of speed with, with, with growing. I grew uh, like a foot um, in like 18 months between uh, our junior and senior year. And, and that height just really helped me uh, with my velocity. It went, I mean, it just went up up and up and uh yeah the long toss repetition up i was never a big weights guy back then they didn't really push pitchers to hit the weight room uh, i had coaches with the diamondbacks they didn't want you in the weight room at all they would they only want you doing just real lightweights sit-ups and and uh and just working your legs but it was never i mean today the training is just is taking a whole different whole different approach so i, I gained most of mine through long toss and and just being my my growth spurt just really really helped. It it wasn't until um, <clears throat> Mark Pryor like debuted that I realized like that legs uh, are part of like 
pitching power. Like Mark yeah. Pryor had like just crazy legs, like crazy calves. Um, so I could see like that, like just like just like the um, you know, your form, like your 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 like uh, right up and stuff too. So right, so like that strength of pushing off the back, and then at the same time the strength of landing in the front. You got to be able to land on a good strong front leg. Uh, I work with a lot of young pitchers. I give lessons, and uh, that's the one thing a lot of kids they just they're not their legs just aren't strong enough underneath them. Interesting. So yeah, it's got to you, you got to be just as strong uh, with that push and, and just as strong in the front. Yeah, legs. I think I think legs is a, is a huge. You know, if you can get a good strong trunk sit ups and legs, I think mm -hmm. that's a lot of speed right there. Yeah, you know, Mark, I, I got a, a question for you. Just, um, I mean, we'll probably get a little more to your uh, uh, into your current job as like a, a someone who trains younger pitchers a little bit later. But I, th this is just a burning question in my mind. When like the three of us were kids, uh, they kind of the the thinking kind of was like, you don't want to teach kids to throw like curveballs when they're too young. Cause they're going to blow out their arms and stuff. I don't know if you remember that line of thought, but is that, is that just totally bogus? Like can kids start throwing different things like curveballs, like uh, as young, like could a 12 year old kid practice curveballs and be fine? Um, you know, what do you recommend when you're like, you know, teaching younger kids stuff? Uh, I would say that, yeah, I would go, I would think, 11, 12 is a good age to start learning how to throw a curveball. Would I, if I'm going to throw 100 pitches in a, in a game, am I going to throw 50 curveballs? No. I mean, I would – 11, 12-year-old, if, if they're throwing 50 pitches, I mean, you maybe want to throw no more than 10. But it, uh, I like to teach kids at that age how to do it and how to feel the difference in the, in the, the release and, and what it takes to, to make a ball move. Because I've had kids that are 13, 14 come in, they're getting ready to go to high school. They've never thrown a curveball. You're trying to throw them, you're trying to teach them, and they're just, I mean, they're so far behind that they're going to go to high school. I mean, they're, they're just not going to have it. So I'm, I've become, as I've trained kids, I've become more of, the, of a guy to, to teach them a little younger. I mean, I, I don't want you to go out and, and throw it a, a bunch, but let's learn how to do it. Let's learn how to feel it. And you know, and then when it comes time to 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 get it going and using it more, you you already know what you're doing, you know. So I I, I don't think it. There's a way. There's ways that you can you know. The way I teach it is the the, the curveball. Just I teach my guys to just roll it off your hand. I don't want a guy doing a lot of snapping out in front of him and putting a lot of uh, strain on his elbow. I, I teach a guy to just roll that curveball out to just take some strain off the arm, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of BS. I, I, am I going to teach a nine-year-old, ten-year-old? No, I just want to teach them to throw straight. But if a kid's got some ability at 11, 12, I, I, would, I would show them a curveball, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I And maybe chuck this up to just me being like a goofy kid who just didn't know what the hell was going on around him. But, like, I remember that too, Jack. Like, you know, people saying, like, well, now remember, you can't throw a curveball until you're 12. And I'm like, what, why? Like, I, is it like banned or something? Like, is it like, right. why, why couldn't, what, what does that have to do with anything? And so I, I yeah. guess, like, yeah, development and stuff like that. But, but yeah, like, I could definitely, see, I mean, and then again, I, you know, there's never any conversation of, um, you know, any sort of legitimate <laughs> career path or anything. But I, I just remember thinking, like, uh, okay. Yeah. I just, you know, like that, no, I, think that must be right. some reason, but I don't know. You just gotta be smart about it. You gotta, you gotta just show them. They gotta just be smart about it. I, I just, 
I just don't think it leads to that many problems as much as people think it does, man. I, I, I really don't. I don't think it, I don't think it does. And, yeah. and some parents, I still get parents with kids that are close eighth grade and they still don't want the kid to throw curveballs because of his arm. And I mean, okay, but he's not, you know, it's going to get to a point where it's getting a little late in the game and you might not make a high school team because you only got two pitches and then, then it's, then that's it. I mean, you waited out all that time and for what, you know, I, yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I, yeah, it sounds like what you're saying, like just to give them the feel of it, at least just like the feel. just yeah. knowing, yeah, just that release, that, that, that muscle memory of throwing that pitch. I, I think they should, I would, I, I'm going to teach I mean, my kids are going to be 11 next year. I plan on showing them, you know, next summer to start, start them throwing it. So nice. Yeah. But not hunting games or throwing a bunch, but just how to do it, man. Just so when it comes time, we're already a couple steps ahead, you know? Yeah, for sure. Working at the, at the job at stats. So one thing that Mark did um, at stats is uh, this thing called, they call TVL, which stands for type velocity location. So Mark was like charting pitches and identifying pitch types in real time. Um, and then like we collect that data and send it to, to clients and stuff and including teams for like scouting and whatnot. But um, so working at this job, uh, I learned, I learned about like pitch gri grips and stuff like that. I think if I try to throw a curveball myself, uh, it would probably go straight in the air, like just like <laughs> up in the air. Um, because I, yeah, it's, I, I look at that and I'm like, how the hell do you throw a ball gripping it like that? I mean, also my hands are like the size of like, you know, uh, 11 year old girl, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, um, but, but yeah, so I, I definitely, if, if you were serious about it, like, yeah, getting the feel of it, I totally, that totally makes sense. Um, so one thing, Mark, too, before we move on to kind of like the next stage, uh, just, you know, okay. So like you're coming up in like the little league, uh, little league and, and high school and everything. And like, I don't want to, I think like a lot of times when you talk about, talk to like, you know, celebrities or people who've been places and stuff, they're like, Oh yeah. Did you meet, uh, you know, did you meet, uh, Nolan Ryan? Did you meet, uh, Ryan Sandberg? So like, I don't, I'm not going to like do that to you, but like, did you come up with any like, like, like players, um, who, who like notable players in, in little league or high school or anything like that? As far as when I was playing or before I was playing, just meet, meet uh, as a kid, meet anybody like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <sighs> Man, I, I had I one little bright I met at a little card shop uh, in Old Orland with Andre Dawson. Oh, that nice! Was, that was, I mean, that's it. That's the one there. Mark Grace too. It's the same kind of situation, but uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. As far as kind of like an intimate setting, one on one for a few minutes. I mean, that's yeah, that's it. And Dawson and uh, Grace. I was telling my my students this uh, the other day. Okay, um, but uh, I met um, Jim McMahon uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> at a, as a kid, and uh, we were like, it was at the opening of a Toys R Us, and uh, we stood out in line, like, in, and it was around Christmas time. It was like, fuck, like freezing cold. Uh, we wa we they lined us up around the perimeter of the Toys R Us, and he came in and he shook everyone's hand, like, boom, shake hand, shake, 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 and like just going around, and like I didn't even take my glove off, and so I didn't even really shake his hand. He like he shook my 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 glove, but. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's, you know, those things can be disheartening sometimes as kids, I would say. Um, yeah. So, um, did you also, um, so I think this is one thing that I picked up from you, Mark, like as like from just when we were 
talking shop like 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 over the years but like did you play with garrett jones at some point was that in was that in little league so garrett high school in high school i finished garrett jones he was uh he was at our rival high school andrew high school in tinley park um yeah faced him multiple times he wasn't even honestly he wasn't even the best hitter in that lineup there was another kid named nick tresniak who ended up getting drafted in like that sandwich round you know after the first round so yeah. I think he was like the 70, 50s, 70th overall. Um, he was a catcher. And I think the Padres took him, gave him like 750,000. Uh, oh, wow. Garrett Jones was the next year. Yeah. Uh, so one was, you know, Tresnick was 98. Jones was 99. But uh, good lineup. I mean, Jones was, yeah, he was a good hitter. Um, he definitely got stronger. He was, you know, as he grew, but uh, mm-hmm. solid there tough tough out i mean no doubt about it i mean just you know when you're facing a guy that's that's just at a different level than everybody else and garrett jones definitely was he got your attention real quick okay interesting yeah so there you go like someone who like stood out um like when you just just seeing him play or whatever Um, yeah i mean if you would have told me that he would have a 10-year major league career and not nick tresnak i would have thought you were nuts back then but i mean (laughs) Once you get that opportunity, it's what you make of it. And uh, Jones obviously made the most of uh, his. That's yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, and you know, I would say I feel like people would associate Garrett Jones mostly with the um with the Pirates, but uh, um, and I don't remember his stint with the Yankees at the end of his career, but uh, right. yeah, a guy who had some good years, strung together some good yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah taking a look where he is now if he's back in the area, but uh, yeah, I've not seen him in years. But I mean, he did he hit some home runs in Yankee Stadium? So, then, yeah, totally. Did all right for himself. <laughs> Jack, I don't know if you pulled up this Nick Tresniak uh, guy's. Uh, no, I I tried to. I, I think I spelled it wrong. How did oh, you yeah. spell it? It is a little it's tricky. Very tricky. Yeah. Um, this guy, he might be Polish. Uh, we'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, how, how did you spell it? It's T R Z E S N A N I A K. But um, I got his baseball reference up here too. Yeah, like he stuck around. Um, this is a guy who, who like you know, yeah, like like stuck around. I mean, he was yeah. That I mean, yeah, like in that like competitive balance round or whatever they call it. Like I think they did. I think they straight up called it like the sandwich round back then. Yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, so yeah, he was fifty first overall. I mean, yeah, I guess this is a guy who you know you would you'd really stick around to make sure, um, you know, before you you hung it up. But uh, he was um, he was playing uh, up until age twenty seven in Triple A, so he he gave it a he gave it a, a a shot. Yeah, I mean that's tough to do. He did have a good run. I will say that when you get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in a signing bonus, you're gonna get you're gonna get some run. They're not just going to give up on you. Now, if you yeah. got 7500 bucks, it might have <laughs> ended sooner for them. But when you get that big signing bonus, they're, they're going to, you know, they don't want to, you know, they invested in you. So they don't want to give up their investment early. They're going to push it as far as you can. But, I mean, what, what, did, he, what, did he ever go with his Padres the whole way through? I'm not looking um, at his face. Was he, did he go anywhere else? He ended up in the in the Rangers organization. Um, okay. And then I see a couple of stints with like, it's weird. At the end of his career, there's kind of like bouncing between other teams and Texas. Like, so he was uh, with Florida at some point, Detroit at some point. Um, and maybe that's, maybe it's just the way the baseball reference is laid out. Okay. But um, yeah, but yeah. Um, it looks like Texas did like kind of try to keep going back to him like at some point, but, uh, and he, he got up to triple A with them, but uh, that's the highest. Yeah. 
Well, Mark, you, you made an interesting point about, um, you know, uh, when when teams make a big investment as a, uh, in a guy as opposed to maybe a guy who got a much smaller signing bonus. So let's let's move on to the next stage. So we, we've kind of covered high school and Little League and whatnot. So what was the next step for you after high school? Did you you said you were getting scouted by some colleges? So did you did you uh, uh, go play baseball in college or did you go straight to the pros? And, and how did that sort of work out for you? So I went straight to the pros. I signed as, a, as an undrafted free agent with the Diamondbacks, but I had no desire. You know, I, I had no plans on playing going pro that early. I, I had actually signed on a letter of intent at, at Eastern Illinois is where I decided to go. Um, it got to about August 1st, and I got a letter from the NCAA Clearinghouse telling me I didn't have enough core credits in high school. Oh, so wow. any kind of Division One scholarship that was offered to me was immediately pulled off the table, every single one of them. So at that point, it became uh, I had to go to a JUCO and try you know, and then hook on to a four-year school from there. Or um, you know, the Diamondbacks had interest in me, uh, so I went and worked out for them at a private workout in South Bend, and uh, I signed uh, about three days after that. But uh, I really planned on going to college. I did not plan on uh, on making that jump. Uh, going back, I would have gone. If I could go back, I would have gone to the JUCO route just to get hmm. stronger mentally and physically. But uh, when you're 17 years old and someone offers you some cash to go play baseball, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't think my, my dad was, you know, we weren't as prepared as some of these kids are, you know, like a Bryce Harper, you know, is like, you know, I mean, you got to, you know, you know, yeah, what's coming eventually, you know, for me, it, it, nothing was real. I was just kind of playing baseball until I was about 16, 17, really until my senior year of high school is when, is when it just all kind of took off. It all happened so fast that, uh, I don't think we were prepared and knew enough, you know, knew enough about it. So, so, I mean, they gave me the okay to sign. So I, I went ahead and signed. Wow. Yeah. Did I, you have an, an agent or anything like that? Or so I had an eight. I played my first year without an agent. My next year I had an agent named Jeff Riolo out of uh out of San Diego. He he had he had a he had a handful of minor leaguers. Uh he just kind of ran out of his house in San Diego. He did he did get me latched into a camp with Tom House out in San Diego, which was pretty awesome. Um and at that camp I actually met uh CC Sabathia. As oh, wow. a, uh, he was 18. We were both, you know, Sebastian was born. He was born a week before me. So we were you know, very close in age. Um, he would actually, you know, he was actually in my transportation out there. He would get me to and from the workouts. So, uh, Sebastian would Sebastian. Sebastian was my driver, man, out there. He would, he would pick <laughs> me up, drop me off. He had a uh, big white Escalade. I think it was brand new with his signing bonus. Oh man. Wow. But uh, yeah, I would sit and catch him. I mean, we'd throw all the time. We'd throw three times a week with each other, catch each other. I'd get down, squat, and catch him. I mean, he just, you could tell right then, though, that he just was different, man. He just threw the ball better. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> it He's was a heavy. big ass dude, too. He's like big six, seven. Dude. He had, um, so he was, he had uh, offers to go play football, right? I think UCLA was after him to play football. I think, uh, I think he was going to go to the University of Hawaii and play football and baseball is what, is what his plan was. But I don't know what the Indians threw at him, but I know it was a few million bucks to, to change his mind on that. So, Jesus. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Um, <clears throat> did he go by CC at that time, or did you go? He did go by CC. He did. He did. Nice. And then one good story about Sebastian is we're driving home, and he got a call from his agent. And my, I don't know if it was Boris back then. I didn't know like who Boris. You know, I didn't appreciate who Boris was, but yeah. So he was going to come over to his house. He was in the area, and he was going to go to his house. So as soon as he got off the phone with his agent, he picked up his phone. And he called his, his. He lived with his girlfriend, who I, who he's married to today, still. And uh, his cousin immediately told him to put all put all the weed away, you know, put everything away, <laughs> <laughs> right? Hide everything, you know. Agents coming over, time to you know straighten up the house. So that's I mean, a pretty, you know, I'm not saying that he was using it. I know, you know, sure. He mentioned stuff about his cousin, but uh, <laughs> pretty good story there. That uh, so then about a month after that, they they the Indians called him out of there. They didn't like where his weight was at, so. So that was it. He was gone. But uh, we spent about six weeks together. Wow. That's pretty cool. Did you yeah. ever run into him like years later at all? Or was that? I have not, man. I would love to. I would I would hope you'd remember me. But, you know, you know yeah. who knows if he would. Maybe, yeah, if the cousin was um, <clears throat> too active near him, he might have, you know. Could have right. affected the memory a little right. bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so I yeah, that that one I didn't know, Mark. That I so yeah, um, that's a good yeah. that's a, a solid bet. I'm not saying he was using anything. I don't yeah. care if he was. Who cares? I know he got. I know he's big on the beer, right? Isn't that his thing? The the, the beer got caught okay. up to him a couple years ago, but yeah. it was yeah. I think he kind of had to uh, right. He, he might have gone into rehab for a brief period or something, but yeah, I think it was for like uh, for beer and stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a guy who gets a big signing bonus like that, um, I mean, was he pretty like down to earth and stuff? I mean, it sounds like he was he he was special right away, and everybody everybody knew he was special. But like, did he did he carry it like that, or was he just pr a pretty chill guy in general? Very chill, very chill in general. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known you wouldn't you wouldn't have known he was that highly touted of a, of a of a prospect he didn't give off that persona at all he he just went and did everything else just like you know just like we all did he didn't he didn't stand out he didn't expect any kind of special treatment he was very down to earth um i don't think he grew up with much i don't think he came from much so he, you know didn't really have that attitude you know but yeah he i mean he offered me rides he knew he knew i needed rides and he was the first guy to be like yeah, i'll pick you up drop you off so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Very, just, very cool right off the bat. I mean, I didn't even know the guy and he, he was picking me up. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Uh, what, the, yeah. What that can mean, like from where you come from and, and your attitude. Uh, but yeah. that's really, yeah. that's very cool. Um, <clears throat> I just, just to circle back really quick about this high school thing. Cause this is kind of like blowing my mind a little bit. Like what, man, what was your undoing? Like, was there like a, a shop class that you like, you know, blew off or something like that like you're like ah, whatever i'm like i got i got some uh you know i gotta throw uh off the mound uh today like forget this this final like forget this birdhouse like what, what, what was there a specific undoing in high school yeah i was i mean that was unfortunately yeah man i i you know i just thought that this is what i'm gonna do you know I, at a certain point there i thought like this is what i'm gonna do you know and School kind of took a backseat, um, unfortunately, a little bit there. But uh, it's yeah, I was. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't an awful student. I, I wasn't, but I, I didn't. You know, I didn't put a lot of effort into it. Certainly not like I put effort into right after school baseball practice. So, 
I mean, sure. there was days I'd stay home from school, skip school, and then just show up at three thirty to practice baseball. I mean, sure, and yeah. not and not you know. And I, I think you hear that. Oh, yeah, uh, I I was gonna say I feel like you hear that story. I mean, not even with baseball too. Like people who were like really into like the theater, like and stuff, like doing sure. that, like skipping school and just go, going to rehearsal and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's it's. I can only imagine. And and as someone who teaches high school students, like. Um, I just, and, and you talk about this, like this, this workout with the D backs, like I could not imagine what that is like going through like someone's head and like, um, just having those kinds of opportunities in front of you at that age, like, you know, like making decisions and hopefully like, you know, getting like, like good advice from, from, from family and stuff. But, uh, but that's, um, that is just wild to think about. Something right, and, and having good advice is, is would be you know looking back. I not nothing you know nothing against my old man, but we we were just we were just kind of we weren't as prepared for oh, yeah, for what sure. was coming as as we should have been. But but no, uh, I mean, it's no, it's I mean you know who yeah that's it's it's completely like a thing that like yeah either there yeah you you're right you have your bryce harpers where your dad pulls you out of fucking high school gets right. your gd you know. playing a wood league bat or, or yeah. wood bat uh league and you know and then there's like regular people who are it's like like you know that's like what this is like you know this opportunity's you know presented itself and it's like yeah if, if, if you're not like doing those crazy things like for for years like starting all the way from friggin right. t-ball you know it's right. like yeah so I was so kind of like a deer, a deer in headlights, man. That's how it would describe me going through those things. Just kind of in, in awe of like, what the hell? Like what, <laughs> wow. you know, just getting, just getting even paperwork sent to the house with that, with that Diamondbacks logo stamped on it. Just, it, just a very, very surreal, man. Very, you know. Yeah. Well, just didn't, didn't see it coming. Yeah. As much wow. as, as much as other kids do, you know, that, that's what I would say. So so the main reason that that happened, though, man, is that a lot of people don't know this, but as a junior in high school, I didn't even play. I'm, I didn't play baseball um, wow. Wow. at high school. I played outside of high school with some traveling stuff. But I had some, yeah, I had a, me and my head coach in high school, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on everything. So I was politely asked not to participate as a junior <laughs> and uh, came back as a senior. But that, that also, you know, losing that year of uh, exposure was a big deal looking back, man. But, uh, yeah, that sure. was, that was, that all led to me just kind of being n- not as prepared as I should be to make that kind of decision. Sure. So. Well, Mark, when they, uh, so, so you mentioned you had a, a tryout with the, the diamondbacks before they, uh, before they signed you. Um, how, like how did you a, so how did you get to that tryout? Had they been scouting you? B, once you got to the tryout, um, did you, what what did you do there? And like, how many other guys were there and stuff? So I got there through. So I had a pitching coach, uh, Bob Gillen, over here, and uh, he was he played a little bit of minor league ball. Was a high school pitching coach and and ran a place. He, I started working with him at about thirteen, and uh, as we went up, I mean, he just he knew scouts. He knew scouts in the area, and he, he had kind of talked me up. And uh, once he heard the issues I was having with this NCAA clearinghouse, he uh, he made that call. He made a call to uh, to a scout of the Diamondbacks, told him I was I was ready to ready to go. Um, so they invited me over. The South Bend tryout had 
three or four other players, uh, a couple hitters. I think there were three, maybe two hitters and three pitchers. And that was just, uh, I mean, got out, got loose, long tossed, you know, they were watching everything you're doing there and then put you on the mound through probably 20, 25 pitches on a radar gun, you know, mixed in all three pitches and, uh, just kind of, you know, didn't really get any kind of word, immediate feedback at all. Didn't, you know, went home and, uh, thought I did well. I mean, I, I knew I threw the ball well, but then about 48 hours later, they called and, uh, and offered me a contract. So wow. I was the only one out of that group that oh, was really? offered a contract, but, uh, yeah, that was it. So, so, I mean, it goes all back to the guy that, that trained and taught me how to, well, we, you know, fine-tuned my pitching. He he's the one that kind of stuck his uh, his neck out for me and got me that opportunity. Nice. How many? Uh, it sounds like kind of a nerve-wracking experience at the tryout. You know, you and like four, just four other guys that you didn't know, um, or I, I guess I assume you didn't know. How many scouts were were watching at that uh, at that tryout? Oh, there was uh, had to be had to be three or four scouts, and then their their head scout was there, the Diamondbacks. Mm. Uh, head, wow. of the, head of scouting was there. So he, I mean, the man, the guy that was, you know, made all the calls was there. Um, so that helped a lot. I mean, if you can get in front of that guy and impress him, then, you know, you, you're going to be all right. So, so, I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking, but at the same time, I'm, you know, this, it wasn't a make or break situation. It wasn't, uh, I either, you know, if I don't sign with this Diamondbacks team, you know, I'm, that's it. You know, so I didn't, I didn't really put a lot of, I I honestly didn't expect to get signed out of there. I knew that there was some interest, but at the same time, I I just didn't expect them to make an offer, but, but they did. So. Wow. That's yeah. So, okay, cool. So, okay. So you're signed with the diamondbacks now. So, um, did you, uh, what, like what time that's your, that was like late summer you were saying that that happened? August. So in August, I signed there like August. It was like August thirteenth of ninety eight. I signed. Okay. Um. So, uh, there probably wasn't much like. So you didn't go to rookie ball probably or, or, like right so, from there, did you? No. So, but after the seasons, they you you got your Arizona Fall League where you mm-hmm. invite your uh your you know your double A guys, high high A guys that are that are showing a ton of promise. Oh, I know and all about the Arizona easy. Fall League. But let me this this is a running occurrence on the podcast. But while that's running, they'll have the younger guys, like their top uh, rookie ball guys and single A and newly, you know, guys that were just drafted from that that year. They'll have an instructional league, they call it. Okay. And that runs that runs right along with Arizona Fall League. So, so I signed in August, and then uh, about three weeks later, I. I went out to Tucson and played in this, uh, instructional league. So, I mean, it was, I got thrown right into it with, you know, the idea behind those instructional league is you got your, your, your 35 next best are there, you know, okay. it's, it's the idea is to accelerate, you know, your road to the, to the, to the big league. So I got thrown into a pretty, uh, a pretty good group of, of players. I mean, a number of guys out of that group made it, made it to the major league. So, but that was my first exposure was, was instructional league. And that was, that was mixed franchises. That wasn't just Arizona. That was like, that is just Arizona. That was just okay. Arizona. We would play like the Cubs and the Rockies and the the White Sox. We'd play like local other Arizona, other Arizona teams. Okay. Got you. Got you. So yeah, so, I mean, yeah. What was, um, 
What was uh, like? Who were some of the guys that uh, that you can recall being with or so that, playing? That team had like I don't know if you remember Brad Penny. You remember Brad oh, Penny? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Penny, yeah. And we had Penny. He's a he's a hell of a character. We had uh, John Patterson. He pitched with the Nationals for a while. Yeah. Okay. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. I mean. Yeah, I don't got anything good to say about that dude. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was just a jag. You know, he got seven point seven million dollars uh, as a signing wow. bonus. So I Holy mean, he shit. was yeah, huge. I mean, I think at the time it was the biggest ever. So he he walked around like it was the biggest ever. He was he was a prick. Everybody was saying <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Rob Brahas. I don't know if you remember Rob Brahas. Oh, yeah. Yep. Catcher made it uh, made it to the big leagues. Uh, who else we have out there? And uh, Rubio Durazo. Oh yeah. Okay. Gray was on there. Um, trying to think of the, the other big the guys that you know a lot of them made it. I'm trying to think of the guys that that made it and stuck for a little bit. Uh, Jorge De La Rosa who's, uh, yeah. was there. He was a young. That was a young De La Rosa. I think he was 17 or 16. I mean, he was young as hell. Didn't speak a lick of English. We would just uh, look at each other and smile and nod. I mean, that was. <laughs> well, we got along, man. I mean, I, I consider Jorge Taylor. You know, if I ran into him, he would remember me. I mean, we we stared cool. in each other's eyes enough, and uh, <laughs> you know, just no communication. You know, you know, not a lick. He probably still speaks a lick of English too. I'm yeah, sure he never tried. You know, they try to teach these kids, but most of them don't. They don't. They don't pick it up. Um, hey, that's a beautiful thing, right there. It's right. Like uh, <laughs> that could be an indie film, you know, <laughs> right there. Like, <laughs> oh man i mean those, those were probably the biggest names out of that group there there's like a luis torero played a minute in the big leagues i yeah sure i'm trying to think go, who else yeah we go deep on this podcast we've spent we've probably spent we've probably spent 20 minutes talking about a luis torero in the past so that so that's okay. that's all good but so um, I, so, right, so the one fight I got in minor league baseball or almost fight would have been with luis torero you actually remember that guy I yeah a little bit I mean like I I don't think like um I know the name I mean I you know okay. if I yeah. I'm hard pressed I don't remember like you know any great moments from right. his career. We, we were in like uh, somewhere in the middle Butte Montana I just got shelled you know I gave up like ten runs or so I just got my ass kicked and he went like oh for four like three or four strikeouts. and then getting on the bus I like bumped his knee with my knee and then I mean it just erupted into this this enormous fight. Um, but that's that's my Luis Torero memory is that uh, he's the one guy I almost fought. But then you know did everybody it blows or it did not. Everybody got in between us. It was close. I mean we were both just very pissed off individuals at the moment, so it was just bad timing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I mean that's that's my Luis Torero memories. That, <laughs> that stupid chain he wear everywhere. This big gaudy goddamn chain. Uh, <laughs> and you could hear you could hear it cling every time he swung and missed. But yeah, great arm. He had a great arm. Awful tattoo on his arm. He has a tiny little cannon on his arm tattoo. Just the worst. Like somebody <laughs> took a big, a big pen and draw it out. You know, just I don't know where you get tattoos in the Dominican, but so yeah, he good arm, decent player. But yeah, uh, yeah. real memory. But he was there too. He was in that instruction league too. He was he was a solid player. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, so like, he was just, he was just like, just, so it sounds like you're both on edge, like, 
But um, but he just he like bumped in. He, he he was getting on the bus and he like bumped into you. Yeah, he, just, was, he was sitting. I was going by. I just we just went knee to knee. I mean, it hurt, right? It hurt. <laughs> but he yeah. he was he immediately just wanted to just throw blows. I mean, he he came right after me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and bucket, you know, somebody got in there enough to where his fist missed my face, and uh, you know they calmed it down from there. But <laughs> yeah, man, that was uh, you know yeah. I, I think I gave up eight runs that that game or something. It was, it was a bad day. Did you guys uh, did you guys get in trouble for it with your coaches or anything, or is that a more common occurrence than you might think? Like guys getting a little heated after a bad performance. So they sat us down, made us shake hands, hug it out, deck stuff, and then they fined us each like fifty bucks. Okay. And, the, and, and then these fines would always go to like they would buy like movies for the bus, or they'd buy food, and, like just you know it was kind of like a donation to the to the traveling. So. They would fine us, but at the same time, the fines were like you know, used amongst the team. It's not like it went in somebody's pocket. So, sure. yeah, that one was fifty bucks. Were there uh, were there other fines that uh, you would get for like you know being late for a practice or a team meeting? Like what what kind of things would guys get fined for? So uh, right, so if you were late to a team meeting or practice uh, at the, in the Diamondbacks organization, they would put you in the middle of the field uh, when it's about ninety five degrees outside and give you nice cold bottle of water and you get to sit in a chair around second base while the whole rest of the camp runs around the field over mm-hmm. and over. So, so you don't get punished, but it, you get, you know, a hundred other guys pissed off at you. So that's how they would handle that. I myself got fined one other time for uh, having a, having another, you know, having a rough inning coming in from the inning. And then at the top step of the dugout, taking my glove off, firing into the dugout and it hits the trainer <laughs> this little trainer i mean just right in the face just explodes in the face <laughs> and this dude this guy's face is red for like three days after this thing. i mean so uh so that was 100 bucks and that that was yeah i just hung on to it a little long i did not mean to hit him i just kind of hung on and pulled it to the right you know coming oh. out of my back just leather leather to face just the loudest I can remember that smack today. So Man. Uh, it, was, it was that kind of stuff. If you were, if you were not in your room on time, if you were, uh, I mean, that was, that was it. We had a couple guys get caught smoking, smoking pot in the hotel. Um, that case, they would just send you, uh, back home. They would just put you on a bus. Uh, back home as in like, you know, home to where you came from or home as in like I, where you got, where your minor league team was based. It just depended who you were, man. It really depended how who you were. If you were, yeah. if you were on the fringe, you're going home. If you were, if you're awesome, slap on the wrist. You know, sure. huge difference, huge difference, and uh, what and how they would they would handle that. So, like, soon after the draft in '99, we had, our, had like our 30th round or 35th round. We were all out somewhere, and he he ended up talking to the wrong girl or doing something. Ended up just getting his, his ass kicked and uh, in a in a bar fight, and then he was gone uh, the next day. That was just it. just some guy. So, yeah, so I cannot think of his name. I would love to look him up, but uh, <laughs> that's the extent of his professional baseball career. Was uh, was about six days. Tried to hook up with the wrong girl. Got his ass kicked by a bunch. We were in Canada at the time. Got his ass kicked by a bunch of Canadian dudes, and uh, that was it, man. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so he's got a good story, you know. That's yeah. I talking about a cup of coffee. 
but then, but he was like a 35th round pick, you know, he probably signed for like a baseball glove, you know, or a pair of, you know, so that's it, man. You know, wow. Mark, is there i I've always wondered about this, um, like in the minor leagues, is there sort of a, among the players, or I guess it sounds like in the organization too, is there sort of a pecking order in terms of like where you got drafted, what your signing bonus was? Is, is everybody like, are all the players and stuff aware of where the other guys got drafted and like kind of what their bonuses were and stuff like that? Big time, big time. Everybody knows everybody's dollar. Everybody knew, everybody knows who's getting what, who got what. Um, yeah, that's, that is well known. Guys want to know, uh, they want to compare. So, you know, what I got in that round the year before, what did he get? And then, and then it kind of gave you an idea of like, you know, how good, you know, how good the organization thought you were. And, uh, there's definitely a pecking order to that money for sure. I saw guys get released that shouldn't have been and guys stick around that, that just got big signing bonuses. And that's all it came down to. Like I played with uh, Corey Patterson or not. Corey. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what was it? Dave. Corey Myers. Corey Myers, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get Patterson with his shirt off out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that picture so bad. Um, so, so Corey, uh, Corey Myers, right? So if you look him up, he was like the fourth overall pick in 99. Um, I think he was going to go to Arizona State. His dad was a coach at Arizona State. And, uh, I mean, that kid hung around so much longer than he should have. I mean, it was uh, – yeah, that that's the one that sticks out to me that where you think of like a signing bonus and, and uh a guy that was given way too many opportunities and just never never was able to figure it out. I mean, just yeah. just too slow. I mean, it was just slow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can believe it. Um <clears throat> just some of the some of the stories you hear are just um uh the guys like just yeah, just just having all that like behind you like mark upheld jumps to mind like in recent years a guy who just like yeah. just stuck around but never i mean he actually walked away but um but yeah i can again i can only imagine um <clears throat> all right so so you were in the instructional league um probably then i guess took uh like they didn't send you off to venezuela or like uh dominican like winter league or anything like that did you you take did you take that winter off yeah no i never got to anything like that that would that would have right more guys like 24, 25, 23, 24, 25, you know, those are the, the, the yeah. Venezuela and Dominican winter guys. No, I, I went home, was given a, uh, right. Just followed the, uh, the guidelines that they gave us. They give you a whole plan for your entire winter mapped out. I mean, day by day, very detailed, um, Diet, that was, training I mean, that was, yeah, that was, right. It was your job. I mean, you didn't have anything else to do. So, I mean, you just trained, uh, you know, four or five times a week and that was it and so in the off season uh so when they sent you home and they gave you your, your training stuff um i mean did you uh, go back home with your folks and like how how would you train was there would you like go to your high school gym or you know how would you go about doing that so I, when i yeah i would come back here uh one winter i spent in california training out there um the, the other ones i would come back here and just i would just go back to where uh where i always threw the it was called championship sports in Tinley park. And I would just go back there and get, get my work in there. And then I, you know, signed up for, uh, for a gym membership on my own. I would, I would put in hours there and then go throw. And, and that was it. I mean, that was, yeah, yeah, that was it. I mean, good looking back. Should I have 
could I have done more? Maybe, probably, but uh, yeah, I don't know. When you're when you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, it's you're just you're not, not in that mindset. I, I think if I yeah. would have went in the workforce, you know, if I would have worked at Stats for seven years and then went and played baseball, I would have put a lot more <laughs> yeah. effort in, you know, sure. make sure I never go back to working at a place like Stats. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I would have. So I would have. Yeah, so there's I a lot of. Go sorry, ahead. Go. No. I would have coached you along just to make sure that you didn't do that, having having uh you know had that shared opportunity. But um, but yeah, no, I I got you for sure. Right, that's what you needed though. You needed like a guy like that, like a Billy Blanks, like that Ty Bowl guy. Like if you had like that dude come in your room every morning and like drag you out of bed, right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you're just not you're just not in touch with that. Like you know, being like an aging aging man, you know, as we all are. Like you know, it's like. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta run just so I can like, you know, like enjoy my dinner. You know, it's like, <laughs> right, yeah. you, you appreciate then, that stuff more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a part of all young athletes that you just don't think, you, you know, you, you think you got it. You know what I mean? You don't, I don't have to put in a ton of work. Like I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm all good. Like, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For yeah, sure. That, that attitude definitely plays in. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, and I, at this point now we're, you know, we, on your baseball reference, um, you know, I, if, 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 uh, if this looks correct, um, then, so 1999 comes along and like you, you, you go, you play with Missoula. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was, that was, that was like the first thing back that next year, that next spring or whatever, join. Yeah. Join yeah. Team. So I went there. Right. And I, I didn't expect to make that team. I expected to be in, in low rookie, but, uh, had a real good uh, extended spring training and then uh, went up to Missoula and played, uh, you know, at back then it was considered advanced rookie is what they called it. So, okay. so it was, it was a little bit, it was, it was a step higher than I anticipated being at, but uh, yeah, had a good extended spring training and, uh, and, and made it, made it up to play in Montana. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, once you got up there, uh, how do you go about like finding lodgings as a minor league player? Does the team put you up somewhere? Do they make suggestions to you? Um, where do, where do you live and who do you live with? So they gave you, they give you about a week in a hotel to get, and then they, and then it's on you to, to find lodging. Uh, I, I got a place for the first couple months with, uh, with three, with three teammates. Um, <laughs> this place was, you know, it was Montana. So, I mean, you, you can imagine what this, what this place was like. Uh, I think, <laughs> It, it was supposed to be furnished or something, you know, it, that was the word. Uh, I slept on a mattress on the floor. Um, so did the guy next to me, you know, we just said, yeah, there was, I think it came with a cheese grater in the kitchen and like a pan. And that was, you know, that was the extent of our, uh, of our furnished apartment. And then, uh, and then we went and lived with a uh, family, man. We went and lived with uh, a husband and wife and a couple of their young kids. And it was just weird as shit. And I, I, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> This mom was uh, very, uh, you know, aggressive, forthcoming. You know, it was, I don't know what happened in that house. It didn't involve me, but I can't speak for everyone that I live with in that house, but it was, it was an awkward situation. So, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean aggressive? Just, you know, well, I mean, to invite us all out to the hot tub with her was after like 48 hours, I thought was a bit aggressive. You know, and then, then, then to start pouring us drinks when, I mean, I was the only one underage there, but I mean, just the whole yeah you know 
he wasn't around. The husband wasn't around. You know, he's out in the hospital with, with four minor league baseball players. I mean, yeah. What I don't know. What you're, what you're saying is she was a real fan of the game, Mark. Is that what she you're was saying? a fan of the game? She she liked baseball. So I don't want to speak for, for everyone. You know, I don't want to speak for everyone in that house. But it it was it was weird. I, I didn't. You know, it was a long four weeks. I think we lived there four weeks. But yeah, um, yeah. Proves right. how, how much you can get into in, in a four-week stint, I guess. <laughs> right, man. It was right. She she stepped on the gas real quick. <laughs> it was wow. something. Yeah, that, yeah. That's something that they didn't even include in in you know Bull Durham or right. Yeah. Well. Um. All right. Well. Uh, so. So, so that team, that, that Mizzou, so was that, so that was like, um, like regular, like, did they start like, you know, like April then that, that, that league? That league started, um, beginning in June, like two weeks after the draft. So they would okay. allow, they would allow draft pick kids to, uh, to be on that team. All right, cool. Um, yeah, yeah it was I, like mid June. Okay, nice. Um, so, so yeah, talk is about about that i know that we talked a little bit about i have some memories of, of us talking about that that team but um that was a was that like a six that was a good team right you guys did good yeah that was to, right we won the, we won the championship that was the first year uh missoula montana ever had a team and we won the championship uh the 72 game season two uh two playoff series we were led by uh i think he was mvp of the league it should have been lyle overbay was oh, shit, uh, okay yeah. yeah, yeah, he was my first baseman. Awesome dude, awesome guy. Couldn't, couldn't, I mean, couldn't ask for a nicer kid. Just humble, down to earth, um, outstanding hitter. I mean, I faced him uh, multiple times with inner squad stuff, and uh, he might have been the toughest, the toughest guy I've ever faced to to try and put away to get out. I mean, he just he would just fight off everything, and just you knew, we all knew that there was no doubt. I mean, he was going to be a major leaguer. He was, they kept him in that, you know, I think he drove in, that was a, a 72 game season. I think he drove in 101 RBIs in yeah, 72 games, just torched that league. How he stayed on our team all the way through, I don't know who was in front of him or if there was a log jam, but uh, I mean, you could tell immediately that he was just an awesome hitter. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, I'm trying to think like, like was uh Travis Lee there? He was already in the big leagues at that point. Travis like, Lee was in the yeah, he was the major league guy. But there was probably some guys, you know, Arubio Durazo, I think, played some first base. Okay. Yeah. There might have been he a did, couple. Yeah. Right? There was but yeah, they held him down and he just destroyed that league. He led us offensively to to that. Um then we had Dewaner Sanchez, who was probably he was probably the ace of that staff. Yeah. Um I was number three pitcher, okay. and uh, we had a PJ Bevis, De La Rosa pitched some games up there. Um, yeah, De La Rosa joined us at the at the end of the year, but uh, yeah, that was a good team. That was a, that was a good team. Yeah, yeah. Looking at um, <clears throat> at the baseball reference thing, yeah, I mean, yeah, you were yeah third third in the rotation. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome, um, and. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. I think like I mean, so like, yeah, like yeah, Overbay's numbers are they are they are crazy. You were right, one hundred and one RBI. One hundred and one. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, amazing, man. Yeah, I remember him hitting a home run off Ben Sheets that that probably got oh, wow. out. Right, right. Ben Sheets was a big deal, man. We all knew 
he came in to like do like a rehab stint or pitch a couple innings and overbay just like a 400, 420 foot line drive to center field that they probably got about 12 feet off the ground. I mean, it was, oh, man. I've never seen a ball hit like that up close. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Sheets uh, another, right? Those are Brewers. These are Brewers guys, right? Sheets, I was going to say, I was I was just thinking about uh, Ben Sheets the other day, and um, you know, I'm glad you told that story on the on this podcast because that that's poetic justice for Ben Sheets to have a have a rookie league guy hit a home run off of him. Um, he was he was good <laughs> he was good for a while, but you know, I wasn't a great fan of him. Actually, Overbay ended up on the Brewers too. He had a season with the Brewers where he hit over over 50 doubles. Um yeah. so yeah, that guy had a nice long uh career in the uh in the majors. Um right, kind Mark, of, Oh, go ahead. No, it kind of reminded me of like a Mark Grace, right? Overbay kind of right kind of like a, like you said about the doubles. Just kind of, you know, that kind of guy, not overwhelming power, but just gap to gap solid. Yeah, I think so. I think I don't even say he probably had maybe a little bit of a higher uh power ranking than than grace yeah yeah but, uh, but yeah um so that's cool i mean like so yeah first year like when winning a championship like that like um <clears throat> i i've thought about this too it's like like my minor leagues like yeah it can be can be kind of tough like if you are a com- contending team because like yeah the 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 organization from the or- from an organizational standpoint the, the goal i don't think i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like it's not necessarily to it's to develop the players not necessarily to win championships right so like I mean, I can see like I mean I was yeah maybe they, they really wanted that that title um, from that league like and keeping Overbay there but like I mean you could lose like you know he you could you guys could have lost him like at any point like if they wanted to bring him up so I think to have like that bond and to like make it all the way through like that's got to be pretty pretty special. Yeah, and you're right. They they, they definitely will be right. They don't care if that team's doing real well and 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 doing well in the standings. Right? If a guy if a guy's needs to be moved or, or, you know, brought up, then they'll make that move without, you know, they don't, like you said, they're not in it for minor league championships. Um, that year could have been an exception because it was their first year ever. So maybe trying to put them sure. on the map, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how that all would, you know, those teams are owned different, you know, separately from, from the organization. They're, they got their own private owners. So I don't know if that played into it, but yeah, they will, like the team we beat in the championship, um, I bl- their two best hitters were were gone. You know they had they had moved up. So okay, it, right. I mean it was a good team, but at that time, you know, we caught them when they were missing their two best bats. So you know, made a huge difference, obviously. Yeah, um, Mark. Yeah, Mark. So you mentioned that this was the first year that Missoula had a team. Uh, what was the park like, and were you guys getting a lot of fans in the stands? That's a good, right. Funny question. So the park was as bad as it gets. So <laughs> we, we, we played our first year up there while this new stadium was being built in a American Legion um, ballpark. Wow. So, right. That's like a, you know, it was a nice American Legion, Legion ballpark, but they had to bring in stands. They had to bring in, so <laughs> they had to bring in the clubhouse. So we didn't, we, our clubhouse was literally a trailer. And I mean, wow. it was a trailer. It was a straight up, just a white trailer. I mean, 25 dudes, your locker was about as, you know, four inches wide. Um, no one showered there. There was, there were two showers, you know, for 25 guys, there were two individual stalls. Um, <laughs> we drew well, we drew like 3,500, I'd say between 3,500 and four, you know, maybe 4,000 somewhere in there. So we drew well, 
but the the the, the field we had trailers i mean it was trailers, it was trailers. wow they wow. just were they they had just started uh building the new stadium but uh yeah so the first year it was bad it was bad field was crap um there's just you know it was good to get on the road <laughs> you know, it's good to play road games. It gave you, you didn't have that minor league feel at that field as much. You know, the fans certainly helped having that many people there, but it still, it didn't feel, you know, you didn't have that stadium tunnel clubhouse underneath, you know, shot bigger shower. So multiple dudes can shower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, that yeah. I, not, that I, not that I needed that, but you, you know, <laughs> you would be, you know you have to go home just sweaty man some guys would show up into the park in their uniform which is just that's weird in the minor leagues you know you don't just like you know come to the game with your uniform you just don't see that but at that right. that field you did that's taking it back to little league right there <laughs> right it had that little league feel like you know yeah but it was so small you couldn't it was hard to even dress in there man it was i mean you got 25 big dudes in there and uh it was just a regular trailer dude that's wild. <laughs> right? um, it, was, it was something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, any other, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I was going to ask about the food spread, but um, being a food guy, conscious guy, but, like, yeah. I couldn't even imagine what, what that was like at that. Peanut butter, jelly, and apples, man. Wow. <laughs> that was it. Every day. Jar of peanut butter, jar of jelly, some plastic knives, apples. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that that was the extent oh, up there. That's what, that's what we would get. Well, Mark, you mentioned it was good to get on the road. So uh, uh, take us through what like a, a road trip was like. Did you, how, how close were the other teams? Did you have real long bus rides? Where would you guys stay when you were on the road? What did you do to eat? Stuff like that. We, right, we, so we, we had the closest was about two hours. And then we would, I think for the longest we had to go was to Ogden, Utah, which was, uh, I think about nine or 10 hours, maybe even more. Um, we would stay at local hotels, nothing, nothing fancy. I mean, uh, in medicine Hat, Canada, we stayed at a hotel that was like straight out of the movie psycho. I mean, this place was, <laughs> was unbelievable, man. Just the creepiest goddamn place. You know, everything was like velvet and like, you know, no one had made an update since the 70s. Uh, while we were staying there, somebody got thrown through the front window of the lobby, got thrown to the door. So that was, that was you knew you were in a great spot when somebody gets thrown through the door. Um, but it was basic stuff, you know, to, you know, and you, you would have your, your guy that you would room with and you kind of stuck with him. Um, yeah. It, I, Long rides, man. Would you, you just try to make the best of it? I mean, watch movies. We had right old school compact disc player. Yeah. Every time you know, every time you hit a bump, it would skip. But right, play cards, watch movies. I mean, it, it was uh, it was fun, dude. I mean, those were probably the best times, man. You know, once I was out, that's probably what I missed the most was was the travel and and just going town. You know, exploring these towns together was yeah. uh it was, you know it was a lot of fun man but uh the lodgings were were as basic as, as you would think you know it was budget in holiday you know i mean not even holiday in, but whatever whatever was most cost friendly i think sure is the route yeah you would, 
would um you know when you guys were out on the road you mentioned exploring the towns would you guys like you know go out to dinner or go out to the bars after games and stuff i know you mentioned you were underage so was that kind of a, a hurdle for you or anything like that yeah so i was limited i was the guy that right i was hotel i was the guy that just stayed at the hotel and like four or five of us younger guys would just hang out and uh all the yeah all the older guys they would they would definitely go out they were they were out and about all the time um but I, I mean, right. It wasn't worth the risk of, uh, right. Trying to fake ID or any, any kind of crap like that. It, to me, it just wasn't worth it. So yeah, I was, I was a hotel body, man. I spent a lot of time in the, in the room. Sure. Well, yeah, you mentioned they sent that one guy's ass home. So like, yeah, if you got busted with a fake ID, man, it'd probably be all over for you. You know, was, so yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. 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 It's, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's funny. I mean, like we, we kind of, so 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 mark like way back in uh, our first uh season of, of doing this uh podcast we we went to a game in beloit um and uh you know the stadium was I, i'd have to imagine like um it was was probably in that same category um although i it, actually it's it's it actually sounds better than than your situation in missoula but but you know we were just talking about like just like <clears throat> the life of like a minor leaguer and like it's not all, all glamorous like people like think like that you know a professional baseball player would 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 have and so like um yeah i mean like obviously yes at a certain level like it's like you know charter flights and, and everything and like like luxurious food spreads and stuff but like but yeah i mean that's that's kind of like that's the reality of like the low levels of, of of minor league baseball yeah yeah i mean your paycheck my paycheck when i first started playing it was, it was 950 bucks a month Wow, that was that was for a month. That's what I got uh, when I played in Missoula. It was nine nine hundred fifty bucks a month. Yeah, so wow. It was yeah. I mean, right. The idea is right. You got money with your signing bonus to live off of, but not everybody got that kind of money, you know. So for sure, yeah. That's the biggest misconception I think about people that that hear that you play in the minor leagues or that played professional baseball. They immediately think like there's a lot of money there, but it's it's really not. I mean, it's, it yeah. takes, a, takes, you know, you get your first, second, third round guys, a lot of money, but I mean, it's, it's a long road to get to the, to the uh, first class plane rides. There's a luxury suite hotel room. Yeah. It's, it does not trickle down at all. Yeah. It, is that, would you say that that's probably what like got a lot, most of the guys out? Like, like, I mean, you know, at that point, you know, rookie ball, everyone's pretty fresh or whatever, but it's, you know, it seems like, when guys like like the um uh the Tresniak guy you're talking about, it's like at some point it's like the guys like have a family, have kids and stuff. Like I've I've heard that like that's like you know what drives them out a lot is like just trying to you know move on to something right. else that might be more lucrative, I guess. Yeah, because I mean at that you really you can't even you know you can't afford to even really have a family. I mean it's just like I mean unless you got another job in the off season to support it or, or a wife that's working or something like that. It, it's tough to do. It's uh, like I said, if you didn't get that bonus, I mean, it, so that'll, that'll draw guys away. Cause at some point, I mean, at some point you got to go and get it and get a career going, man. I mean, um, you don't want to start too late, you know, sure. if you're right. I, I mean, it, you can latch on to baseball at 27 and get a job within some organizations. That's great. But, yeah, I mean, think of you, you got to go back, and if you're a high school guy, you got to go back to college, get mm -hmm. a degree, or try and get into some kind of trade at that point. But yeah, at some point, I, I mean, I didn't get to that age, but I would think at some right at some point, it's got to creep into your head. Like, 
if this doesn't work, like, I, I got to have, you know, plan B has got to be, I got to, I need a solid plan B at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, again, it's just, it's, yeah. Something, uh, that you, to, to think that like you, like for everyone who had dreams of, of like playing baseball, like to think you got to the point where you're in an organization, you got signed, whatever, however you got there, if you're drafted or signed or whatever. Um, and then to be like, you know, when you, if, if it doesn't happen, that's like having to make that, that decision is like, man, it's like something that you worked for and then like stepping away from it. Um, but, uh, right. yeah, yeah. So, um, so, okay. So like, let's, let's talk about like your development then, like, um, like that year. So like, um, you know, what, what kind of like, like you stuck in the rotation the whole year? Um, like, did you, um, like how, how was your development going and like, what was the like opinion of the organization with your, your progression and like what just kind of what, how did, how did like, how did the, that season kind of like wrap up for you specifically? So that, that one, that one, that season wrapped up well. I know if you look at my numbers, they don't look great, but if you really dig into it, there's just, there was just a couple games that really got away from me where right. I got, you know, there was one where a scoring decision led to like 12 earned runs being tagged on me when it should have been like three. You know, my pitching coach left me in there thinking that, you know, nothing was being earned here because um, yeah. we were playing like crap on, but yeah, so so that'll happen in the minor leagues if you're on the road and uh, there's a decision to be made. The, the They're going to go with hit um, to bolster their guys' numbers, right? And uh-huh. with the idea of someday if we got to trade this guy, right, that kind of crap. Um, so so that – so I, I mean, that was a good year. I developed really well that year. Um, I got invited back to Instructional League in 99, and that time, uh, like, I actually earned it. I wasn't just a late sign guy that was brought in. So mm-hmm. it felt good to uh, to get back to instructional league, being invited. I mean, that's it was kind of a big deal. They only invited uh, like three of us off of that Missoula team to to come back to uh, to participate in that. And and like I said, that's like they send you a letter like we're bringing you out here like as a, as an acceleration to the big leagues. Like we like what you're doing, you know. And uh, for an, for an undrafted guy um, to do that was was kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. But at that same time, I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for me because uh, I kind of I just started putting like pressure on myself and, and being a, just trying to be perfect, um, uh-huh. but just trying to continue to develop, you know, to excel and, and just climb the ladder. So, so I did that instructionally after that year and then came home for the winter. And then when I went back is... Uh, it's kind of, I just, you know, I went back to spring training in 2000 with just this, uh, just too much pressure to be perfect and be, you know, be awesome all the time. Um, and then that, you know, at that point I kind of, uh, I developed the, the, uh, the yips, um, like, uh, like John Lester can't throw to first base. Um, I couldn't throw to home plate. So, right. It's like, uh, Rick Ankiel, you know, there's a number of guys, Chuck Knobloch, mm-hmm. Yep. That this happened to but, Mark uh, Wohler's another one. Great example, man. I mean, these guys were awesome, you know, and uh, so that's, so that's, so that's what happened to me. So, uh, so those numbers you shoot for the White Sox. I mean, that was a guy that was dealing with the yips and that was just uh, lost, man. That's, that's how I would describe myself. Mm-hmm. When, you're in, when you're in that level of baseball and you can't even play like a simple game of catch, um, yeah. you know, people notice, 
right away. So they like, you know, they alienated away from, you know, I mean, there was, it was just a, it was just a tough situation, uh, all around for sure. Um, but yeah, it was like, you know, everyone just avoided you. Like you had the plague, man. No one wanted to get, everyone was aware of the yips, but no one wants to get them obviously. So yeah. when a guy develops them, you just, you don't even want to talk to him, man. You don't, you know, you don't want to. Man. It's they, almost you know, like they, they think think you're contagious or something. Right. They, that's exactly how it would go. So that was, uh, so that happened to me in um, spring of uh, 2000. I, I I mean, to me, it happened when the, the major league pitching coach uh, came up behind me uh, watching my, me throw my bullpen. And uh, I just felt like this, like this enormous amount of pressure, like right in that moment to, uh, to perform. And I don't know. And that went like shit. And then, uh, the next day I came back out and, and just playing catch. I, I was like, what, the, you know, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I couldn't even throw, you know, a simple game of catch from 20 feet away. It was like, I had never played in my life all of a sudden. And, uh, so I, I blamed it on a, you know, I told them that my elbow was bugging me to try and buy some time to try and figure it, figure it out. But, uh, it, it didn't buy me enough time. So uh, once they once they figured out what was going on exactly, they let me go, the Diamondbacks. Um, and I came home and I, I pulled it together enough to to get in front of the White Sox scouts and and impress them. And they had already known known you know I had played against the, their organization quite a bit, so they they knew me. Um, they gave me an opportunity, and uh, it was it went. It was going pretty well, and uh, that was man, maybe June, July, maybe July of, of that same year. Okay. When I when I signed with the Sox and got out there and uh, managed to get through it, not very well, but managed to get through it, and then uh, came back in two thousand one. White Sox spring training. It was it was it was right back to where it was, if not worse. Um, I had wow. Dom Cooper. Who's not with the White Sox anymore, right? He's gone now, finally. Yeah, exactly. We we've talked about Don Cooper many times. Okay. Podcast. Yeah. So he's right. He pulled up behind me in his golf cart, and we were throwing BP, and they had that the hitting shell out there, you know. And that uh -huh. shell's what twenty feet above the hitter. You know, I uncorked one above that shell. You know, and then, and then uncorked one thirty feet short. You know, I mean, it was like. Wow. And then he pulled away, and then that was like that was to me that was kind of like this is, that's it. Like, as, like dealing with that as, on your own, on the road with no family and no one to like talk, talk that out with is, uh, was, was, was rough, man. That's, it was dark. That's all I could describe it as. It was extremely dark. Uh, and, so and, event, and you were like a 19, 20 year old kid at this time too, right? Like, like if, if that even like 18, 19, yeah, I, was, I was 20, I was 20. And, uh, Christ, man. Wow. With a new organization, didn't know, you know, I wasn't familiar with as many guys. So I didn't really have any good close relationships there. Um, they did send me, you know, the Diamondbacks before they let me go, tried the sports psychology route. They tried to go with some uh, some guys that worked with PGA guys to okay. see if they could write, write the ship. Um, didn't work. Didn't work at all. So Okay. That's what I was going to ask because it's like, okay, so like I guess um, – and having like led up to this conversation with like talking about guys who like got the quick hook, it's like, if you're a 35th round guy, it's like, 
you know, they might be more quick to, to boot you or something, I guess. And I, I guess maybe like falling into the category of an undrafted free agent, like um, probably like puts you in that boat. So like, is that like, but I was wondering like, what, what did they do? Like what kind of proactive thing did, did they do on their end to try to like remedy the situation? Because like, yeah, I mean like, again, it's like that. And that's a crazy thing. Like you're talking about like, like lying to them and saying your elbow was like hurting. It's like, that's usually the opposite, right? It's like if someone's elbow is hurting. Like they might say like, Hey, it's, it, you know, I'm fine. Like I feel good. Like, um, it's just, you know, I had a bad, I'm having a bad time or whatever, but like to, to have it be the opposite, like it just, I, you know, I could feel like, you know, it's like a snowball or something just like, like, just like, you can't like kind of stop it from, from, from gaining momentum or whatever. So, so like, so they did, like, they did eventually like send you like, like to a, a, a sports psychologist then. And like, just didn't like, what, 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 what were some of the things that they like tried to like implement to, to, to work it out? So this guy's thing, that guy's thing was hypnosis, man. He would, he would, um, wow. he would get a recording. He would make these recordings for you on, on a CD. And then the idea behind that was to listen to these CDs, like literally right before you're going to go take them out, like wow. in the dugout, like you wanted, you know, like in between it and just bizarre stuff, stuff that you just, you know, it's just not going to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, I mean, that was his approach to, to, to try and like, it was like a, a hypnosis state to get you in this, like a whole nother like state of mind, I guess was the idea. But, uh, but, but like you said, I knew that I was, I, I didn't, I mean, I got a, a decent amount of money for being a free agent for sure. I think I did real well as being a free agent, but, uh, but I knew that it wasn't enough to, to keep me around like that. And, uh, so, so that, that added to, to the misery too, knowing that like, I'm screwed, you know, that's it, man. I'm screwed. Uh, right. The baseball just felt foreign in my hands all of a sudden. And, uh, man. you go through that long enough by yourself long enough. And, uh, I mean, you don't sleep much. I mean, I'd be up at like three, four in the morning pitching on the side of my bed, man, to no one, but I would just go through my mechanics and like trying to just visually see the ball just going where it's supposed to go. I mean, it sounds so simple, but just, just trying to just visually see the ball coming out of my hand and going where it's supposed to go. I mean, I was up all night, all the time. Uh, I hardly slept going through that, but, uh, yeah. but at some point it's like, uh, when I finally just walked away, I, I mean, we mutually kind of, you know, mutually parted ways, but I mean, it was just like a huge relief, man. It was like, thank God that's over. I mean, I, I, could, I couldn't have done it a day longer than I did, man. I, I don't think I, so I got in my car and I drove from Arizona to Chicago. Um, I stopped at a gas station and bought an Atlas, man. Like you used to have to do, you know, <laughs> had to buy, had to buy a map. I uh, didn't have a cell phone and, uh, just got in my car and drove, uh, as far away from there as I could, man, wow. as far away as I could. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the, um, just never wanted to touch a ball again. Unfortunately, just such a, a crazy turn in like a nine, six, nine month period. Just really a fascinating change of like loving this to just like, get me, get me out of here, man. I, I just can't like, yeah, I just can't mentally. I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I don't think I could have gone another day. Um, yeah. Well, I was, I was going to ask you, Mark. So, um, uh, 
like you know for the you said it was a mutual parting of the ways um what is normally the the process when you know something like that happens because i'm sure you're probably on the teams too where like guys would either get sent up to another level or released like is it usually do they call you into the manager's office and you're like i know i know this is going to be it or how does that usually work and how did it how did it work for you when you guys parted ways so how normally but those two organizations both did it the same way. So they, what they would do is they would call you at night in your hotel room and tell you to be on the early bus. And uh-huh. right, if you're on the early bus and you're not injured, you're gone. You know, that's it. You know, the injured, the early bus was the injured rehab guys. But if you weren't hurt and you weren't doing rehab and you got told to be on the early bus, you were gone. So Shit. Okay. you would come in, you know, and they would give you that talk, you know, bring you in, talk to you. Do it, do it the right way, but you know all your stuff had already been cleaned out. It's all ready to go. Your plane tickets booked. Um, so right, it's all been in the works. But uh, yeah, they would they would call you and you would be early. So then guys would come in on the normal buses and be like, I mean, you would just see empty lockers and that was it. You didn't, which sucked. You didn't get a chance to say uh, goodbye to a lot of guys. You know, some guys that you had become good friends with, they're just just gone. You know no goodbye they're just that's it and yeah th- this is the days before like facebook and and whatnot too right so, you, know, right. you really so you really couldn't connect with them they were just gone you know right you didn't even exchange phone numbers there wasn't there you know you had your parents home phone number you know what i mean i didn't have a phone so there was no right it was like pager days right <laughs> 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 page me man <laughs> um, so so yeah that, but that, that they would get them out before so they, I mean, that's right. And who wants to have that conversation with 50 guys on the way out the door? Like, yeah, that's it. You know, sure. For sure. You know, they, they would, they would sneak you out not to be jerks, but to, so you could avoid a lot of conversations. You don't, you know, you're not in the mood for at that time. It, it yeah. makes sense. And that, yeah, that almost seems like a, a more humane way to actually, uh, to actually go about it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, what? So you mentioned both organizations did it the same way. Uh, what? What were some? What were some differences or similarities between the two organizations that you played for, as far as philosophy or their ways of doing things? So, okay, so they, uh, so the it, big difference in philosophy, just overall. I mean, the Diamondbacks were brand new, so everything was brand spanking new. You know, the, the facilities, the, the out in Tucson, they had just built. I mean, everything was just sparkling brand new. So then it was Buck Showalter at that time running the show. So he, he wanted to bring in the, uh, the New York Yankee mentality, you know, of, uh, no sideburns, no, no, uh, no facial hair, you know, just that whole Yankee mentality, which I'm not against at all. I, you know, to each his own, so they they kind of wanted to stamp you know th- their speech Buck Showalter's speech to us the first time he talked to the to the minor league group was that uh, he wanted that that Arizona A to become the next you know New York Yankee you know that NY logo he wanted that that kind of symbolism there with that so so he ran <clears throat> while I was there that that's kind of that's how the Diamondbacks were run to mirror to mirror the Yankees I mean he brought. A lot of a lot of guys and coordinators from the Yankees with them, so it was, it was a very Yankee-oriented deal there. And then the White Sox was just the total opposite. It was just kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> guys with just disgusting facial hair. Just like the uniform was like not as clean. It was like off-white. You know, it was just like shit like that. You know, I mean, it was like 
it was like, you know, I'm not a Sox fan and never was. So I'm not going to say anything good about the Sox to begin with. But, <laughs> but it was exactly what I thought it was. It was South Side, North Side, dude. Okay. So that's one way to look at, you know, Diamondbacks, <laughs> North Side, White Sox were South Side, man. I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody. A lot of good people on both sides, but we all know the, 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 the difference there. So that's, if I were to look at those two organizations, I'd say that's a good way to, to, to compare them. Well, Mark, you know, if, if, if anything, you affirmed what we've been doing for the last two and a half years. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't want to say I know a lot, right? I work in this, you know, I know people are going to listen to this that know me that are Sox fans, but yeah, that's, let's be honest. Let's, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've we've not been kind to the White Sox organization. No. <laughs> I, I, just, I grew up hating the White Sox. You know, I hated them. Hated them. Yeah, yeah. So. it's 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 kind of become fun as a podcast to just go to the games and just kind of just. I mean, we half of the things we talk about are the people in the stands, like just the weirdos in the stands, and I think that's kind of like how we started the idea right. for this podcast. And so, for <laughs> for, for, for content purposes, it, it's great. There's you can't beat it, but. Um, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, you know, Mark, uh, that's actually, you know, when you mentioned people in the stands and stuff, you know, when you were playing in Missoula, uh, did you ever have like kids ask you for autographs and stuff like that? Like would players sign and, and stuff? Oh yeah. All the time. Tons of them. That nice, was awesome. Man. That was awesome. That was, that was my, I mean, that might've been, you know, my favorite part was, uh, I was, I would always be engaged as much as I could with, uh, with the fans, especially kids. I took like a 13 year old kid under my wing in Montana. That, uh, so, so when you were born, I was right. If I had just pitched, you know, that started the game before the next couple of days, I'm in the, in the stands in the front row doing charts and, and radar guns. So, so I would always invite this kid, uh, down with me to, to run the radar gun and help me with the charts and stuff. And, uh, I ended up giving that kid like my hat, my shoes. I gave him like all my stuff which I wish I would have not done, but uh, <laughs> you know, just looking back, you know, you think you're just like going to get more, but it's not always the case. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, and then you get fans that were just piss wasted drunk. that would tell you to, you know, say things that I don't want to say here, but you know, I mean, it's just the worst <laughs> of the world. You know. So you would get, you get, you get kids and then you'd get adults that were just hammered and wanted to just have, you know, give you a hard time man <laughs> so i always like engaging with the with the fans you know i was always 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 for that yeah very cool yeah yeah i mean um yeah again at that um in in some of the minor league games that that jack and i have attended for the show um we we refer to them as the autograph freaks um but uh like uh, autograph hounds like i'm not sure if it was like this back at that point but like we've oh, yeah. seen we've seen guys with like a sheet with like eight cards, like taped to the, to the thing. And like, it's like, Hey, you know, sir, could you sign all eight of these? And then like they flip it over and there's like eight more cards. And it's like, what's going on, man. It's like these guys, like, this is where we, you know, we, we, I think we, we both equally went on on a rant, like after that Beloit game of just saying like, these guys are like, you know, riding these buses, trying to live their dream, trying to make it to the majors. And then you got some like goofy kid coming in with like, 10 autographs i mean i know that you were just saying that you like that part but but um <laughs> but there's a difference right so you get the kid that just wants you to sign one thing whatever it is but then you get there were creepy guys man they would just be lingering by the bus or outside the clubhouse door they would have like a like almost like a cooler bag on their shoulder just filled with like these cards that you're like where did you like 
Yeah. How did you know we were here? How did you get that card? And they would just like be there. It's like just like one specific dude for like one, you know, I don't know if they just went off like the, how the draft panned out, if they were just looking for like top 10 guys, whatever. But it was, yeah, there were definitely just dudes that were like, that was their thing, man. Like they would just creep around, you know, everybody knew who they were and nobody liked those guys. You know, yeah. nobody wanted to sign for those guys. Cause they, they knew that those guys, you know, that was all just like money and future, right. hopefully future money. But yeah, there's, that that kind of stuff, but you're right, creepy man, right? Just creepy old, <laughs> creepy yeah, old yeah. guy. That that's the key there. Is that yeah, they right? were, they're, got, they're... yeah, you've got nine copies of your card somehow. Like, how the hell did you even get one, let alone nine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, that's that's great validation, Mark. Because we, you know, we said some bad things about those people, but I'm, I'm glad to know that we weren't wrong. So. Not wrong at all. <laughs> you know, I, I I pulled up an image here on Google. Um, it looks like you have a trading card. You you have a baseball card. Uh, do you? Did you ever have a baseball card of yourself? Or so I have that one card. I got that one card floating out there. That's uh, that is an official card. Um, oh yeah, that was through uh, Tops. So when you first when you first sign uh, and get out there um, at spring training, uh, like the Tops, some guys from tops come in and uh and have you sign a contract right there they just walk around and have you sign contracts and and cut you checks right there so my first baseball card contract was uh a check from tops company for five bucks so (laughs) i still have that uh framed in my garage it's probably the coolest thing it might be the coolest thing i have from from my playing days that i hung on to i never cashed mine i just kept it so sure sure so uh so that was it. Like, like, did I have like an? No, I never had like an. You know, just that minor league card. That's obviously different than your your typical uh, tops trading card, right? Yeah. It's got the, you know, it's got like some goddamn local pizza place on the back of it. Some shit. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, he yeah. right, mine's awful. Enjoys playing like basketball or something. It's like the stupidest thing, you know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's, oh, it's so awful. This guy be listed at like six three, like one seventy, like that's gross. That's like a, that's, that's like a gross height and weight, you know. Yeah, that's like uh, one of those. You know, like this dude just looks like, yeah, the the like the like the uh, you know the used car lot guy, like that skinny, like tall, like waving in the air. Kind of thing. Um, that's 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 funny. You know, I totally forgot about this card, Mark. Though I remember, like, um, you know, I'm sure we looked at this like at some point, like when we were working together. But do you do you have these anymore? Yeah, I have I have copies of. Those. <laughs> I got I got I have like they gave you like twenty five to thirty of yourself. So I you know I didn't hand out many, dude. I I probably have twenty four of them if I got twenty five. Oh, right. You know I've I've always wondered this. Like when you're you know when you're getting the uh, the picture taken. A uh, couple questions here. Uh, so is it like getting your school picture taken where they have you pose and like, is that background airbrushed or is it real? Like, do you remember getting that picture taken? Yeah, that's a real background. That was the setting behind uh, the Centerfield wall in, in Montana. It was beautiful setting, oh, like wow. behind the, oh, it was, uh, you know, white cat mountains in the background and like green hilly mountains. Oh, amazing uh, setting in the background. Wow. So those are real. The pose they got, they get you all in the, no, they didn't. They didn't get us all in the same pose. There were variations. Why I ended on that one, I don't know. <laughs> but I have like a real like 
stern, hard ass look on my face, yeah. which I wish I could change, I would have smiled. Yeah. But, uh, well, but what I'm doing there is like I'm I'm sucking in too, man. Like if you notice, like my neck looks like kind of thick there. Like I don't look like I weigh one step. <laughs> so right. I tried right. I inhaled and kind of tried to puff out a little bit and look like tough and like thicker than I was. But uh, yeah, that's I wish I would have just you know been loose and smiled. But it, you know it is what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm thinking you're talking about like the Randy Johnson, like the, 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 the demeanor and stuff. And I'm like, I'm getting a little of that. Like I'm getting a little of that in this. Right. Book. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Mark, I'm going to have to get a copy of this. If, if you could part with one more, like, or, or two, like for Jack and I, like yeah. I, I need to get a copy of this if, if at all possible. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I will grab, I, I have, uh, I have like one or two at my house and then the rest are at my parents. But I will definitely grab uh, a couple and throw them in the mail to you. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. I mean, they're, uh, they're not going for much on eBay these days. So <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I think they're about a dollar. Okay. It costs twice as much to ship it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I'll happily PayPal you um, for that. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, well, I don't know, Mark. I mean, this is a, a wild, um, a wild journey. And it's like, I was telling Jack this and it's like, Mark, your story is, is as compelling, if not more compelling than like a guy who was in the league for 20 years, because like, this is a story that like, just, it doesn't get out there a lot. And like, I think that there's just like some things there. Like, it's like the, the, the whole idea of like this Steve Blast syndrome or the yips or whatever, like, yeah, like it's, it goes so much beyond like, just like sheer physicality and like, you know, like what it takes, like, arm strength or leg strength or whatever, like miles per hour, like it goes so much beyond that. And it's like, it's, it's truly interesting that, that, and it's a truly interesting thing that transcends just like sport sports dumb, like sports, like, um, you know, performance and, and stuff. And I think it's, it's really interesting. And like, um, yeah, so I, I was really, I'm really glad we got to like tell that yeah. story. Yeah. I'm glad I got to tell it. Cause I mean, if you just look at my baseball reference page, you think that this guy was just kind of like just crap, you know, like, those numbers aren't good, but, but in true, I mean, I was on, I was on a great path, man. To, wow. I, I mean, I'll just, I was in a good spot. I, I good things being told to me and got invited to that instructional league. And then it was just gone as, as fast as it came. It was over, man. So it was like, I went through, I went through all the emotions that you can possibly go through as a human being in that short stint. And uh, yeah, those numbers don't reflect my ability as a player, but they are what they are, man. I, I, in, in the year 2000, 2001, you don't think that those things are going to stick around forever. You don't know, <laughs> you know, you can't get a goddamn baseball cube and baseball reference is going to pull that crap out. So then you can't lie to anybody ever, you know? So, <laughs> right. about, so, so it is what it is. But I mean, if you, if you talk to me, it's death. It's a, it's a deeper story, man. It's, it's not as, you know, it's been shared a little bit. This story, I think real sports has done a segment on it, maybe the blast syndrome and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's just not talked about a lot, man. And and the guys that go through it, they don't, they don't want to talk about it much, you know, like, yeah. like I owe my kid, like my kid, I don't, he doesn't even know. I won't mm-hmm. tell him how it went. You know, he just thinks my elbow went bad. Yeah. And I kind of leave it at that. I mean, unless he listens to this, which he might, uh-huh. so, <laughs> but but I just don't want to, so anybody, I work with a lot of kids and I, I don't tell them anything about that scenario, that situation. You know, I just don't, I don't even want to plant that seed in anybody's mm-hmm. head ever. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. Well, I yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, and I'm sure you can make like bigger parallels to like, you know, like, like more universal, like universal, like issues of like these sorts of like dealing, like, like dealing with things. And I, th that's not, uh, we don't need to go there, but like, I think that like, I think it's interesting, like, just like when, just to go back to like the D backs, like your departure from the D backs organization and stuff. And it's like it, the fact that like, they like let you go. Like I, f it almost seems like it's like they knew like, they knew like what was going on here. Like you're talking about like, um, like they had to have seen it before and like, yeah. like they, they're like, well, let's try this. And if it's not, then it's just like, they, they, they throw it into the rest of the, the cases where they where baseball guys have seen that before. But, um, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, like, uh, God, the, I think at one point, <laughs> uh, Mark, we were talking like back in the day, like at, working together, like I'm like, maybe just maybe pot was the answer, you know, something like you, you try to think yeah. about like, what, what could have been the answers to yeah. things. But, that might uh, have been right. Xanax or some pot or just something to, to kind of just alter your state of mind, man. I mean, really just, you know, yeah, I don't want to, I wouldn't drink a 12 pack and try and pitch, but just something to alter where you're at, man, you know, um, yeah, I, no one's figured it out, man. I mean, the way it's just like a broken circuit in your brain, like some somewhere along the circuits of your brain, something something got disconnected there. And it's right. A brain's a complicated thing. I don't right. How do you fix a broken brain, dude? So, right. There's no yeah. rehab for for that situation, man. Um, I can throw strikes now. I can tell you that I did after like five or six years playing some like some of these like men's leagues, you know, right. Yeah. You were coworkers, right. Some of our coworkers and I was fine there, but again, there was no, you know, there's no pressure there. So. Right. Well, yeah, Mark, I, I was going to ask you, so you, um, you know, it sounds like you basically uh, were done playing pro, pro ball at about 20. So, I mean, you, you had your whole life in front of you. So how did you decide what your next step was after baseball? I mean, even a guy who plays professional baseball for a long time, I mean, they're rich enough now that they don't have to do anything, but you're basically done playing usually by about 35. In your case, it was younger than that. But how do you decide, how did you decide what you wanted to do kind of with the rest of your life? Yeah, right. That was, I thought I sat around for, for a few months afterwards and, uh, and right. That was the only thing that, that went through my mind. And, uh, yeah, at that point, I just felt like I needed to be a part of something and get some kind of direction. Um, my parents were, you know, they thought that baseball was still an opportunity, but they didn't know, like, the full extent of what was going on in my mind. So um, to go back, you know, I just decided to, to go to school. You know, that's where the, the majority of my friends from high school were at at the time. They were, most of them, were just about finishing up college, had a year left or so, so. I just wanted to get, you know, I, I just decided to go to school after that. I didn't know what I was going to school for. I didn't have, you know, I mean, I'm 40 now and like, I, right. I still don't really know like right, <laughs> what I wanted to do. I never had that. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do other than baseball, which is, you know, sounds like you're 11 years old, but, but that's, that's where I was at. Um, but yeah, so at that point, I just wanted to be a part of something and just be uh, just like another direction. Just put that all in the past, man. Uh, I just put the ball down on the mound and, and just wanted to, you know, that was it. I, didn't, I don't think I picked up a ball for 
maybe four or five years after that. I didn't, wow. I didn't touch baseball. I didn't, I didn't watch baseball. I, I just distanced myself from baseball as, as much as I could until I needed a job after college and stats was there. <laughs> and, uh, <Yeah. laughs> at yeah. that point I was all right. So I got in there, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was young, man. I was right. I, I was just about to turn 21 when, when all that, uh, when it was over. So, wow. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild, Mark. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, to, to, to talk about like the, the career choices, the career paths sort of, sort of thing, like, you know, Jack and I are here in our respective living rooms, you know, talking into a microphone into space. So like, you know, we're, we're trying to figure it out too. Like, we're like right, right. somebody find us. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting in my desk in my, in my insurance office at what time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, Right. I mean, I enjoy this job, but you're right. I still don't know if this is right. You know, I mean, if this is the right fit, but whatever, you know. Well, yeah. So, and yeah, well, and like, and so like you're, you're, you're teaching lessons now and like, like, and like, uh, you know, working in baseball, like, um, like, yeah, working with young kids and yeah. stuff. So yeah. How, how is that? It. Yeah. How is that? How does that go for you? How, how are you, how, how does that feel? Like, it's good, right? I just like to be it's just a, a chance and opportunity to just stay around the game. You know, once my kid got old enough to play at like seven, eight, I, I, um, I kind of, right. It was after I left stats, I needed some, you know, quick employment. And, uh, so that's, I jumped into that immediately, but, uh, got to liking it real quick. You know, I, I enjoy, uh, I just enjoy seeing a kid just get better, man. I just see like seeing a kid's face light up when he finally, gets it or, or makes that glove pop that he had never been able to do before, you know, like just a way to, to stay involved in baseball and give back um, and get paid too at the same time. I mean, to get paid, to do something you enjoy, you're not right. Like I go there and it's, but I don't feel like I'm at work, even though I'm, you know, technically I am, I just feel like I'm just doing something I enjoy. So, yeah. Right. I, I do it out at Future Stars in Mokina and it's run by it's owned by a couple of guys that played at, at Sandberg High School where I went to. And uh yeah, it's it's been pretty good. And it's it's yeah. It's yeah, I don't know. It's just a way to just stay, you know, just stay involved. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I mean like yeah, it's I couldn't imagine like doing all that, like 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 just stepping away from it, like being being at that point stepping away for for those years. And so it's good to good to be able to to get back to it and stuff. And like, yeah, I remember when you were playing in those leagues, like yeah, when we were working together. Um, so so it's good to be able to to still have a relationship with it. I think like just having like coming through like to that that intensity and and kind of getting you know, getting burned a little bit, like, like on the, on, on like leaving it can, can definitely like shy you away from, from stepping back. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Right. Well, there's going out of baseball cause you're not good enough. And then there's going out because your brain broke. I mean, there's just right. It's a different, it's a different type of feeling. Yeah. It's wild. Mark, one more thing I, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned Brad Penny is a character. Could you elaborate? <laughs> Uh, he was just, you know, just loud, you know, late all the time, late as hell. He was one of those guys that would sit in the field in the middle with his water. Um, <laughs> didn't put a lot of effort, didn't have to put in that extra work that the other guys did. Just just naturally gifted, you know, just, uh, but he, I mean, he was just always just, just always messing around. I mean, he was, 
nothing was ever serious with Brad Penny. Everything was just loose, man. Um, <laughs> he liked to drink. He liked his beer. He liked hanging out for sure. And then he liked going to the and, and throwing fastballs. I mean, <laughs> he was just uh, he was like him and John Patterson were like the, the two you know, like number one and two in that organization at that time. And, and just totally different guys. Like Penny was just like approachable, funny, just easy, you know, easy going and just the opposite of John Patterson. So <laughs> yeah, I, right. He, you know, but he had, a, he had a better career, man. Penny had a better career. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I think he was pitcher of the year in the minor leagues for, it was either him or Patterson. Like they, they would just go back and forth. Um, I believe Penny's oh, yeah. got the ring um, from 03. Right. I mean, he played with fire, man. Penny was a fire guy. Like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't put up with a lot of crap. He, he would jaw across the field a lot, man. I mean, he was, he was good though, man. He could do it. I mean, he could jaw. Yeah. Did you have any run-ins with um, Mark? Am I, am I misremembering this? Did you have run-ins with Jose Valverde? I did. So Valverde, I played with Valverde, uh, both those instructional leagues, and one uh, a little bit of an extended spring with Valverde. Uh, okay. He was supposedly 19 at the time. He was probably about 27. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, you could just tell, like looking at his hands and stuff, like they just weren't like young man hands. Not that I'm big <laughs> into young man hands, but sure. they were just uh, they were like older dude hands, kind of like ashy <laughs> and stuff, you know, and. Uh, yeah, Valverde was something, dude. You didn't want to shower. If Valverde was in the shower, you stayed out. You like, you know, and then and then at the same, at the same time, right? So the spreads, the spreads in the, in Montana, right, were different. When when you were down in spring training, the spread was a little, sure. a little more reasonable. Chicken and and you know, normal foods, a variety of foods, and, and rice. Man, they would always have rice, right? The the Latin the Latin guys like like the rice. Okay. Um, the Dominican guys, especially like the rice with, they like to douse it with ketchup. So that, that they just, so they'll get just a big plate of rice with ketchup. And Valverde, Valverde, Valverde would just sit right in front of his locker on the floor, um, like right, right in front of the where your shoes would go, with his legs just spread open, just, just butt, butt naked, butt ass naked, and just shovel rice and ketchup into his into his mouth you know oh my God. <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> that's my memory of valverde is him sitting butt naked in front of me eating rice with ketchup not uh-huh. not throwing 97 in, in detroit or whatever he ended up doing uh-huh. and i mean and what what drove me nuts about valverde when i right i was going through my head stuff and like this guy was the dumbest the dumbest <laughs> guy i've ever met in my life you know just a box, just a box of rocks um but he's out there doing, you know what I mean? He's no problem. Right. But yeah. it's, it's like almost being that stupid, like helps you. Cause you don't even think you just go. Right. I, there's definitely something to that. Right. He yeah. ended up getting like a $29 million contract. Oh my God. Or something. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I guarantee he couldn't, he could not even read that contract. I guarantee you that. <laughs> he did not he did not read it you know i'll be shocked if he got all his money too if somebody didn't take i mean <laughs> yeah sure what a great arm dude right that arm was amazing yeah he was yeah he was um explosive you but know. if you would have told me then that he was going to go on and make and sign a deal someday for like 30 million or whatever the hell he got it, it made me sick when i saw that 
<laughs> I would have told you not, but you know, there you go, man. Yeah. Yo, I mean, that was, that was the guy that I thought like, man, maybe if I was just so stupid that I never thought that this never would have happened to me, but whatever. Yeah. It's no. Very, yeah. You know, I think I misremember that story. I got, I conflated uh, Valverde with Luis Torero, I think in that story, but yeah. That's um, both right. Similar was there, dude. Yeah. Was there, was, was there something with Valverde and a fork? Did he stick a fork in someone's hand or something? <laughs> stick a fork in somebody's hands when I was around there? Yeah. Yeah. No. Did I tell you that sometimes? Is that a story I told? No, I don't know if I'm thinking. I don't know. If that could have been another one of our coworkers' stories. I'm, I, maybe I'm confusing that. But uh, you don't forget it. You don't forget a fork stabbing story. I think maybe that it's just. Not me, man. Yeah. That, right. I don't think. No. <laughs> I think Carrera, that's um, or at some point those two got in. That's what somebody had, you had heard. No, I thought maybe it was uh, like Valverde like gotten some okay. kind of scrap with somebody uh, and fork stab somebody with a fork in the hand or something. But um, yeah, I think it might just be the reputation, right? Because he he had those kind of like crazy eyes. Yeah. Oh, right. that's what his nickname was. Hopefully, he had his clothes on too when he was stabbing people with his fork. And he was also, that's what he went by, man. He was crazy eyes. He had that, that, uh, he had a, something going on with those eyes, man. That's what we <laughs> call them, though, crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Didn't understand a lick of English, just crazy eyes. That's what he was. <laughs> love it. Well, Mark, uh, listen, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for yeah, sharing your story. No, thanks for letting me share. Yeah. No, yeah, no. yeah, Mark. Uh, what what a treat. Um, yeah, thank you again. We're so lucky. This is a this was sort of a uh, an important episode for us, number one hundred. So it was uh, it was great to have you on here. I think this is one of our our best episodes. And uh, you know, this was I was super compelled uh, just listening to all your stories. So thank you so much. Yeah, man. you're welcome. You guys are both welcome. Glad to be a part of episode one hundred, man. Glad to do it. Get to a thousand next next time <laughs> when you get to a thousand, we'll we'll do it again. <laughs> we'll do it. Awesome. That's something to shoot for, for sure. <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, How long did you get to number 100? Two, two and a half, you said? Two and a half years? I think, yeah. Yeah, we started April April right. of 18. You got 20 and a half more years to get there, man. <laughs> we, we will re, we'll reconvene. Yeah. Well, well, we're talking about getting paid for it. If someone could throw us some, some money, too, for, for doing this podcast. Right. I would gladly go an, another uh, 900 episodes. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, help. yeah, well, uh, we'll wrap this one up at least uh, for this, for this time. So uh, Mark, again, thank you so much. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's wrap it up, Jack. What do you say? All right. Sounds good. We'll see you folks uh, in episode number 101. I'm Jack Sapowski. I'm Jeremy Dini. We'll see you next time.